Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Mad Get Radio, episode number 37. It's the show where we chat shit about Ninth Age and ponder plans for mass indoctrination into the Ninth Age project. On tonight's show, we are joined by the mastermind behind the Ninth Age's quick starter and essence of war rules. It's Francesco, a.k.a. Pitlego. How are you doing? Hello, good evening. It is amazing to be on this podcast. I love the channel. This is great. I, I was feeling great already, but now that I'm on the show, it's even better. I love this. And we are also joined by the proprietor of the famous McDick Trick eBay store and the proud, maybe joint sponsor, more on that later, of uh, Mad Get Radio. It's Michael McDick Doc Doherty. How you doing? Buy it! Sell it! <laughs> Buy it! What is it you're looking for? I well, do not have any more problems. I'm using them. I'm using them. All right. But what I do have, now let's not catch right, what I do have are... Space Marines, I've got Imperial Guard, I've got, uh, I don't have the Tyranids anymore, but but I might be getting them back, so more on that next episode. Is this clever, or is this mine? <laughs> Are they one and the same? That's really cool. <laughs> Hey, um, gl- glad to be back. It's been a while. I've been exiled to St. Helia, but I didn't have internet. I'm now back. So yeah, thanks for having me. Back by popular demand, it has to be said. Yeah, my one fan, Tommy Tucker. Shout out to Tommy. <laughs> Shout out to Tommy, my man. Thanks for your petition. Uh, we we passed what we needed, which was one signature, and that was yours, and, yeah, and it got me back in. So the bar for my is exceptionally low. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and as always, I'm joined by my tireless co-host, as this is quite evidence of. He's the dude to my Walter. It's Paul. How's it going, buddy? It's going good, man. I'm tense. Anytime Michael is on, I'm scared. Oh my god, what are you talking about? It's a bit yeah. uneasy. You know, I'm excited. in our one-to-one hobby chats, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm just a little bit nervous. <laughs> yeah, I, give, I unfortunately give Paul a lot of editing to do, don't I? So... Uh, Mostly around bowel movements and fart noises. It's always a you know a nice little element of danger when you might get accused of a war crime or something at the end of a podcast. So. <laughs> what? So in tonight's show we have a lot to discuss. Actually, we've obviously got uh, Francesco and Michael on to talk about the new and improved Essence of War rule set. We're going to be talking about all the things that uh, the Essence of War team have been doing on things like Twitch. Um, and we are also going to talk more generally about how do we get new players into the ninth age and what are some of the problems that we might be facing in that pursuit and how we can maybe overcome them. Uh, but before we get into that, what I want to do is first and foremost ask everyone, how's everyone doing? Uh, and see what everyone's hobby life is like just now. Anyone been doing anything interesting? Uh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I'll, I'll let Francesco answer first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, can, I can take the floor and actually rope Mike back into the discussion because what I am doing from the, from the hobby point, from, from, from the hobby point of view now, since I am a horrible painter, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna acknowledge that. It's like I, I very rarely post, uh, 
images of my own creations. But what I'm doing is that I'm taking miniatures that have been painted by people who know how to do that, and I am scanning them and digitizing them so that I can put them into the uh, into the uh, video game adaptation that I'm preparing for the Ninth Age. And I've been asking Mike for quite a long time now since I've seen. Dude, you were, some I got of you the... like two weeks ago. All right, don't don't make me out to be a shite. All right. So no, let's let let's talk about this. Is two weeks a long time or a short time? It's like is, it's is a it long time? time. What, what, what is time? It's like this is this is twenty twenty one. I have lost track of what means to be a long time or a short time. is <laughs> gone before his time. Pardon so, yeah. the pun. Time should have again. I I don't know if this is going to be related to the to the next step of the discussion, but I've seen some amazing things in a thread opened by Mike on the Nine Page Forum, which is a painting league, like a national painting league, and I was like, I have to ask some of the people working on these things if they want to donate their models for the uh, you know for the cause of the Nine Page in a in a video game setting, and donate so that, virtually, we should say, in case somebody but, like Martin gets scared, right? Like donate we're scanning them, we're just scanning them. Everything is just picture-based, video-based. There's no, there's no moving on uh, of, of, of parts, like of things. So all I'm doing, models-wise, is reconstructing them based on videos and images into a 3D playable object, which is a very fun um, hobby in itself. But very little painting of my own. Thank God. Like <laughs> that's the painter's hobby, though, and that's very cool. So you get pretty bonus points for that. <laughs> I, I think we know what the next salt mine is. This is not a hobby, okay? <laughs> Category. <laughs> you paint with the brush, not MSA. <laughs> you know, I've seen lots of people say, like, what, what is this 2D paper craft, paper hammers? Like, what, what is this? These are not miniatures. These 2.5D things, they don't work. Either it's the plastic thing that's coming out of an injection mold or the pewter, like, you know, cast, or it is not what I know and this is not what I played with when I was a, when I was a teenager, so I don't recognize it. And I'm like, gee, where's the flexibility of the brain? You know, we keep reading, the brain is amazing, adaptive thing, and humans can evolve into, under, under any circumstance. And this sticking to the old ways sometimes makes me say like, Arr. So yeah, it's salt mine. All right, signing out. For That's definitely coming up next episode. You can stay tuned for that. <laughs> You've already been writing it. He's paused this and he's now just came back. <laughs> Three drafts in. Michael, how's your hobby going? Um, I actually have a bone to pick. Okay. Because whilst I was shocked, right, from the last episode to hear how little I had done last year. Um, it has not been two years since Martin has had my new miniatures case. Um, <laughs> it has only been one year, I think. Right, so, so just so, wrong. I'm not wrong, I'm not wrong. I'm you don't sound very sure. No, I'm, I mean, see if you want, I can open up, I can open up Messenger, I can get the chat. <laughs> Simon will back me up. Simon is an integral part of our community, but he's also the, the individual with the most integrity. Right. And and Simon will back me up. It's only it's not even been a year. Maybe it's been a year. That's, um well, actually I think of it because now it's like fuck, it's almost February, jeez. But anyway, it's not been two years. That's my only bone to pick. 
And um, yeah, I mean, as, as Frances- Francesco pointed out, I am, um, you know, I'm turning over a new leaf. I am a staff member now, if you hadn't noticed. And um, I'm trying to, you know, invigorate some community spirit into this, the Scottish um, sub-thread of the forum. And can you feel yeah, the we, gravitas? Can you feel the sense of mission? I should, I should put on my, my head. <laughs> Christopher, of course, not Peter Hitchens, right? Um, where, you know, of course, uh, don't be ridiculous. Um, you know, every month we paint some miniatures and put them up and spur each other on. Um, and yes, yeah, so that's what we're doing. We started the we started Hobby League. We'll keep this going this year. I've already bet my... Uh, total from last year by all accounts because I think five is greater than two. So, yeah. My PhD is really paying for itself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> three years in and I know that five is bigger than two. So are the yeah. five goblins officially done? Are they off the painting? They're actually not, so I better not speak <laughs> over yes. I better not speak too soon because they're actually really pesky miniatures because they have like the arrow tip point now because it's like cut through the quiver exactly. and every fucking time every time I forget that they've got this fucking quiver and this little arrow head so that's what I'm going to do how many days are in January There's two, I've got two more days don't I why is my calendar <laughs> see it doesn't want me the computer okay we got it okay but two more days okay I'm going to get those done in two days in two days I believe, I believe in you can I paint five metal arrow tips? <laughs> Tune in next time. That's it, radio. Find out. Um, Michael, if you don't fulfill your obligations for this month, given that you're the one that actually started this whole idea, I actually covered my own ass um, by saying that anything is better than nothing. So even if you don't meet your target, I said I would paint twenty guys. I've only painted five. I'm only going to paint five. Just. Yeah, I'm hey, still taking it because this, of that. I'm going to get them done someday. Ah, right? Man, this this infernal dwarves book has perverted even the better goblin minds out there. Now everybody's thinking like a lawyer. That's is actually this? the worst thing you could say <laughs> to anybody to compare to, to say that I have been influenced by ID. You're welcome. <laughs> I am. I am prejudiced. Against Ivy, all right. So am I. Yeah. And I will. I would rather be called an Nat before I'm called an Ivy. So we're ten into the the show before Nazis or fascism came up. So I guess that we're doing. Oh, yeah. To be honest, we we have progressed somewhat. Usually, it's white. Um, with his kind of Argentine blood and. Context of Ivy, so you know. Okay, so Michael. Just yeah, what, sum- what are we talking about? <laughs> just, just, just to sum up that, that excerpt, you were um, you wanted to pick a bone, a bone, sorry, um, not oh, about because, because it's not been two years. It's, yeah, I'm, so it's not been two years. Yeah, you specifically chose not to dispute the fact that you hadn't painted the miniatures you said you'd painted. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was actually shocked. I'm not gonna, I'm not lying. I, I was howling, right? <laughs> I, was, I thought it was so because, 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 I got a message from Paul, which was like, by the way, did like. You have no fucking clue, like, <laughs> what you signed up for. Because at first, Paul was like, ah, oh, yeah, none of us can remember. And, you know, it was cute to rediscover it and stuff. And then I just listened and I'm like, fuck, did I really say I'd paint like a hundred fucking guys? <laughs> yes. And that, that's the funny thing, right? Because if you go on to the 2021 Scottish painting, I have actually been 
like finishing <laughs> finishing off some of those guys that started over a year ago, like way over a year ago. Um and yeah, but I mean, you know, like I'm making I'm I'm on my way. Rather say. ironically, the guys that you're that you're still painting are the reason why you bought that bag that you haven't collected from Martin yet. <laughs> yeah. I just hope it's still there because I know Martin's running out of space. He's going to be on the next Channel 4 Hoarders, you know? It's more likely that he's going to set up a rival eBay store. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a mixed mixed story from Michael, although it has to be said, it has to be commended for the, the Wildlands Painting League, which has been a hit so far. Uh, Paolo, how are you getting on with the old hobby? Pretty good, actually. Got a bunch of trappers done. That were, they were quite fun to paint. Mm-hmm. Just I think only did 10, but that was quite a good number. And then I got a bunch of green stuff undone. Did about eight bruisers, and I got the riders finished, just green stuffed and primed for the for the tuskers. So that was pretty good. And I've just done a little bit of kit bashing there. I've made uh, another little, maybe another character. Don't really know what I'm going to use them as. Quite a fun little amalgamation of bits. But um, yeah, pretty good actually. I think if I keep this up, I'll, this will probably be <laughs> my most productive year, hobby wise. Wow. Yeah. It's a big claim in January. It is a big claim in January. It's only January. <laughs> but um, given, fair, I have seen the given how much you and Michael have done, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> wow. fucking fired. <laughs> well, after the last episode, you tried to throw me under the fucking bus when it came to the fucking the, uh, hobby commitments. Yeah, what's with all this shit, Andrew? Dealing with some real insecurities there, man. Well, that's exactly it. It's personal insecurities. Your shit and your shit. You're shit. I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be asked about his own ten skeletons. How are those progressing? How the fuck do you know about the ten skeletons? <laughs> <laughs> I am the eye in the sky. The enemy has many spies. <laughs> yeah, the ten skeletons still aren't done. So I've got two days to paint ten skeletons. Call me a prick. Well, ironically, you'll probably still finish 10 skeletons before Michael can paint five. Yeah, yeah. Join the bandwagon, Paul. <laughs> this is a heartwarming bit Prove of me wrong, Michael. This, is, this should be... Why do I keep, why do I keep coming back? Honestly, I get asked to go on fucking Graham Norton and doing this gig. Because we pay better, obviously. Um, so, we've got, obviously, a lot to get through tonight. But before we dive into the world of Essence of War and things like that, uh, with a route via the salt mine, of course. Uh, Francesco, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners, because this is your first time on the show. Um, so what's your kind of hobby background? What's the kind of things that you do for the project? Definitely, yes. So it, it is also because I don't know very well the the UK scene. I've never participated in a tournament. I'm not the tournament type of person. I went to a couple of those when they were organized in Europe uh, recently in Herford for the uh, WTC and in uh, Luxembourg for the uh, for the Luxembourg Bash. Back in the days where people still met in, in halls to, uh, to play games. But I wasn't playing myself because I'm a I'm a bad player. It's like I'm not as... Uh, dude, dude, you'd be... Very welcome in the Scottish Channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Paul and I had a game this week, and it just reminded me, like, you know, I'm like, what the, f- what is this game again? 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not getting many many games in, and and plus I have um you know I've been in the hobby for uh, I'm gonna say maybe twenty years or so, like like many people on on uh, on the nine age in the nine age community. But the point is that I uh, moved away from where I grew up like a, a dozen years ago for for work, and so it started being difficult to um you know create a new a new scene of players with people around me. Um, so, you know, back in the day, Universal Battle, Tabletop Simulator, online gaming wasn't really a thing. And so actually I, um, moved into more of a, um, let's simplify the game, keep it distilled so I can, uh, you know, play on, on Skype, for example. I remember that back yeah. in the days, I used to, uh, fixate the webcam on, on my, uh, on the ceiling and then play on a tiny table with few units. Uh, like you know, in uh, in one hour or one hour and a half with a with a friend, and I was doing this. When I was in example once. When was that? It was like yeah, maybe twelve twelve years ago, and that was I think the equivalent of the uh, quick starter or essence of war for the uh, mm-hmm. other age. I think that that's how it started. We only had like three or four units that I could show consistently in a, in a, in a webcam bolted to the uh, to the ceiling and play online with a friend. And uh, I think that this is now the uh, the idea behind what I'm doing now for the ninth age, which is working in the uh, in the essence of war team. And uh, yeah, that's sadly I haven't played many games at 4,500 points um, recently. And I'm not even gonna say that I look forward to doing that because I'm having a lot of fun with the smaller games and I'm finding them meaningful. So yeah. It is more of a uh, non-tournament uh, type of uh, type of gaming gaming experience. As I said, I'm very bad at, at the hobby side of it, <laughs> so I'm I'm realizing that I'm trying to find good things to say about myself, but I'm particularly <laughs> failing. How is this guy the head of a team? <laughs> I, nobody knows, mate. Absolutely nobody knows. <laughs> But yeah, so you know, I'm 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 really liking the uh, the openness of the of the universe, and I think that the game can be much simpler than it uh, than it is right now to draw people in. So that's that's also the reason why I started this this small company that's creating the uh, absolute smallest uh, starter entry point for the ninth age. You only need two miniatures and a few cards. That you can use, uh, like, you know, to learn the rules. A scenario is only based on shooting. Another one is only based on charging. And I remember playing this with my niece, who uh, at the time she was, I don't know, maybe six or seven years old, and she loved it. And uh, she was she was having so much fun with the story behind the dice rolling. And while she was enjoying the story and the miniature and the, uh, you know, the dice rolling, the unpredictability of it all, she was learning the rules. And I was like. This is amazing. I'm, I'm loving how the rules, you can access the rules through the activity. And this is something that if you play the, uh, the big game, uh, you know, fantasy battles, gets a bit lost because you have the rules first and then everything coalesces around the rules, but the rules are first. So, yeah, that's why I'm uh, probably uh, not very integrated in the, in the community of tournament players. And, since I don't have anything to show from the hobby side of things, then that makes me a very strange character on the hobby. No, no, no. I think that this is 
I mean, we're going to talk about this a bit more, but um, there is a, maybe a, a disconnect between uh, the, the kind of whole scale community where it's very tournament driven. But then there's a lot of people who aren't on the forum and who aren't openly in, interacting with the project. Um, and they are much more casual gamers. But there, there are, there's definitely people out there that are playing smaller games like this. Um, because that's that's a all they have time for, or b that's all they're interested in. They don't want to, you know, yeah. the rule set is intimidating, especially if you're new to tabletop gaming. It's not yeah. something that you can just pick up and play. Um, yeah. So yeah, but we'll, we'll definitely we'll pull that apart because um, there's, mm-hmm. there's definitely topics to talk about there. And um, when you do get a chance to get to the table, what armies do you play? So I have to admit, nobody's gonna like that, but I uh, I am a highborn at heart. <laughs> I thought you were going to say dwarves, so we got off like that. Yeah, that could have been a lot worse. <laughs> could have been worse. Okay. That is excellent. <laughs> Let's see. Have you recorded these sounds from, from Mike? Because they, they should be like, you know, you press a button and that's activated when he's not on the show. That's that is 90% of the soundboard. Um, at, this, at this juncture, I would like to remind the audience that um, I do have an OnlyFans um, where I do make these sound bites available. So please. Fire me a DM. I'll send you the the deeds. Okay. <laughs> Just uh, look up next deck trick on uh, Pornhub, and Michael will be there. Next deck tricks and noises. Yeah. Um. So the highborn elves is that your your core army, or do you dabble in other ones? Yeah, that would, be, that would be the main thing. But the, the point is that now that I'm playing online, uh, I'm I'm discovering and loving uh, you know a larger number of armies that I could have done when I when I had to you know physically buy the the models and and then butcher them with a with a with a brush. So now I'm I'm looking into into beasts and ogre cans and I'm enjoying playing with those maybe more than I do with the uh, with the hard ones. Bad guys are always killer. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone was a bad guy in Ninth Age. Was that not the spin? <laughs> well, actually, from their perspective, they were the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> Relativism in the Ninth Age. Right. I mean, the vampire counts or vampire count are definitely the good guys, right? So I think we can all agree. <laughs> So we've obviously we've got loads to talk about. Um, so before we dive straight into that, it's time for everyone to have a little bit of a palate cleanser. Um, and we are blessed by the salt miner actually giving us a salt mine this week. So let's take a trip down everyone's favourite salt mine and hear what he has to say. Yeah, baby. It's salt time. So on this week's salt mine, um, Martin hasn't recorded it for us, but he sent us in a message. Yeah, we, so we his... say he's blessed us. He's not blessed us that much. Yeah, he can't he's arse enough <laughs> to actually audio record anything. A little bit of a half arse effort. Just watch. This is going to be. He's going to have a salt mine about salt mine next week. Perfect. Um, but his salt mine for this week is, and I quote: "Why Michael is such a hypocrite." <laughs> For starting the Peyton League when he cannot even finish painting the four guys he started in 2019. I did. What's he talking about? <laughs> What's he talking about? <laughs> what is, what is shade, man? <laughs> I mean, how long have we been on? How long have we been on? 23 
All right, continue. continue. But that, no, that's it. That's that's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. So that's great. So any comment on that, Michael? You I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm the one who has to chip in here, right? Um. Yeah. What the fuck? Th- I've painted them. That's old news. They're done. They're in the cabinet. Did you finish them in twenty twenty one? I mean, how do what what do we mean finished? <laughs> like, do we count bases? Do we count bases? You have to, yeah. You have to have them basically finished. Okay, well, I'm not going to finish this five gobbles in that. Condition. <laughs> um, I've already fucked. Is that what you want me to say, Martin? Fucked already? Yeah. No. I'm trying really hard. You know, like I've got this pandemic going at the minute, and like <laughs> I just want to try something. Bring people together! <laughs> but you see, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. You're getting ahead with work. And you had to screw up a number of things in 2021. And look how many you already screwed up in the first month. That's amazing. I got paid in Empire, guys. I've got all, over 300. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm not even paying 50. Do you still have those lunch snacks that you bought, Michael? What ones are we talking? I actually bought more during lockdown. So. <laughs> I ain't happy. I ain't proud. I ain't proud. No, I did buy. I bought some metal ones. Which, why did I buy more metal ones? I hate metal ones. The last time you were on the show, you spent ten minutes talking about how you were going to stop buying metal ones. Cause what's wrong with me? Okay. What's more? If I got, did I, did I have like pre-COVID brain fog? Oh, I mean, one minute I said I'm not going to buy any more. Now I'm buying many. <laughs> Okay, so the bottom line is the land connect pile is as bad as it was in 2019. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I think that's what he was looking forward to. Okay. All right, Martin, you win. <laughs> but don't worry, because he sent in another salt mine as well. Um, so his other salt mine is when people blame dice for game results. So this. Um, is this somebody I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a you know. Something that's as old as tabletop gaming, where people just blame the dice. Um, what do we think about this? Does this grind anyone else's gears? I guess it can do, right? I mean, everyone does it to some extent. Like, I think it's okay to talk about to talk shit about your dice as long as you're not too salty about it and you don't have too much of an attitude. And I think he's right in the sense that if you lose the entire game and you say it's just because of dice, you're probably talking shit. But in the moment. No one thinks that. Uh, no one's that objective about their own play. So, I think I know what he's talking about. But I, I, I think it's okay as long as you say, "Oh, you know, I was going to charge there, but you know, I, I you know, rolled the seven rather than the eight, and then you can kind of say things like that. And I think that's fine. But then, linked to that, then you've got to say, "Well, what were you going to do if you failed the charge? Like, had you thought about that? Like, was there a backup plan? Mm-hmm. Did you have chaff? Like, that's where the gameplay element comes into it. So. I know what he's talking about, and certainly I think um, without naming names, like when you know someone's got a bit of a reputation for um, yeah, that's a bad sign. That's yeah, a bad vibe for doing it on a regular occasion. Then yeah, it can really grate on you. So I get, I get why that's probably uh, quite. Mm. He finds that quite salty. I said I was sorry. <laughs> but I, I have a question about this. I, I I've had this this pet project, and, I, and then I always thought to myself, "You can't be this much of a nerd." It's like you know, just just go out, t- take a walk, meet people, have drinks. But I was wondering, in in this 
day and age when we have, you know, many games being played on Universal Battle, Tabletop Simulator, blah, blah, blah. There's a log of the, uh, of the dice rolls mm-hmm. somewhere in the chats. And this, this thing that Paul was saying is like, you know, objectively, uh, even just assessing, um, just the sheer number of sixes and ones that you rolled, doesn't matter if they're discipline tests or if they're, uh, you know, uh, Aegis saves. But, uh, it should be relatively easy to put numbers on this basic impression. And then, of course, you can complexify things up to that. And then you can, you know, you can split the rolls depending on whether you needed to roll high, whether you needed to roll low, and whether you needed to roll average below. So we could, I think that we could write an entire paper on how to assess objectively luck in in a game like the ninth age it would be it would be amazing we have all the data <laughs> logged we just have to like you know bin it into categories and and pigeonhole things into like you know this is what you needed here this is what you needed there and of course there's the extra level of whether you had a backup plan and whether you are thinking that the average roll you're going to make is 3.5 or whether you're taking the, the dante avenue which says your average roll is going to be 2.5 Mm. And now play, you know. It's like imagine that your average is two point five for each that, and now and now you uh, now you play a game, so it's going to change the feeling. But we could, like you know, if somebody with some mathematical inclination were to be in, intrigued by the uh, by the operation, there would be something nice to do. Because I've seen people do that for dice rolling. I think there's a there's a blog article on whether. The dice roller in uh, in Universal Battle is skewed, and whether the, the random generation seed is working properly. And so people have done this, but at a very basic level. But what is interesting is this perception of luck that people have. Yeah. Because if you can stop them there and say, like, no, no, we have data on, on how that works, that's going to just annoy everybody. So I would like to annoy everybody. It's like a, it's like a mission. Yeah. But it's funny you mentioned the UB dice, because this is obviously our, and this actually very much links into what we're talking about. Uh, there is a general conception that the UB dice are skewed. Now, we've had, we've actually on our chat, um, we've had a couple of conversations about this and whether it's uh, a clash between people just can't really understand randomness. And so the idea of a, a dice roll in three ones in a row blows yeah. people's minds. <laughs> when it should be, you know, you've just got as much chance of rolling a one each time you roll the dice as any other time. Um, but admittedly, sometimes on GP it does feel like it's got an agenda. Uh, <laughs> and Paul, you'll be able to clarify this. Uh, Trent, um, on oh, yeah. Yeah. the podcast chat, uh, he's, a, he's a maths PhD, and he's actually done <laughs> analysis on this. Um, <laughs> and he was recording the dice rolls and things like that. And he basically found... Um, that the dice are average. They're, they are random for, you know, mm-hmm. D6. The only anomaly he found is when you throw the dice very quickly one, one after another. And he said that the likelihood of rolling the same value on one of the dice was much higher. I've noticed that. And again, that might, I, before I was prepared just to be like, that's probably just me being paranoid. <laughs> I, if I like, if I'm rolling a discipline check, and I'm like, okay, I need a nine, and I and I roll the dice, and it's like a five and a six. I'm like, right, I'm gonna give it a couple of seconds, <laughs> and then I'm gonna click it again, like because I have definitely feel like in the past when you when you you hit twice, not only will you get a skewed value if that's what you got the first time, mm-hmm. you're more likely to get the same value. Yeah. Okay. But like again, that might just be me being paranoid. 
but I, I when he wrote that in the chat, I was like, yeah, I feel like that's maybe true. Obviously, he's done the the numbers, so he can actually back it up with actual data. But I'm prepared to buy that. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there might be something in that, um, at least as far as UB is concerned. But what do we think more generally? Is this kind of is this a psychological kind of strain on gamers where they kind of just see luck where it's not necessarily there? Yeah, just the telltale sign of a pun. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I, mean I, like, I understand entirely where Martin's coming from, right? I mean, so we should break this down, right? So point one, this is a game of chance, right? So you're rolling dice and... I mean, I'm always thinking about the probabilities, right? So, like, when I'm when I'm setting up a charge, I'm always like, right, I'm rolling two dice, so I should be getting like six or seven, right? That's what I'm expecting to get. But then, depending on the situation, it's like, right, I can throw more risk at it, right? I might be trying to go for like an eight or a nine inch charge on two dice or whatever. Um, and it's like, okay, let's see if I get that. And in those cases, you know, it's like, oh, I really needed that payoff. That was lucky, right? Or similarly, you can do the reverse, right? Because, I mean, in that case, for instance, you're dealing with a normal distribution, so you're then saying, like, well, if I'm rolling like a two on two dice, right? Then it's like, well, that was quite unlucky because I shouldn't have been getting that, right? Yeah. Even then, it's inaccurate to say you shouldn't have been getting it because the point is, like, you know, when you sum these probabilities, you should be kind of, like, getting the entire probability, so to speak, right? So, on the one hand, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, on the, as I say, like, number one, this is a game of chance. You recognize the fact that, like, mm-hmm. in that context, we will ascribe something as to being lucky or to not based on what you're expecting to happen. So that's fine. But the issue is where it's, like, point two, I would say, is where luck is conflated just with, like, either your own good or poor generalship, and especially your opponent's good generalship mm-hmm. or bad generalship because I think that's exactly what Mark's talking about right? Instances you encounter where you speak to another player and it's, an int- it's a temptation that everybody has right so you know we have to like <laughs> our own humanity there. Mm. but where you have people saying like oh it was so lucky that I got that charge and it's like or, or sorry it's so lucky that I got that charge and won that combat and it's like yeah but you know you were like an auto flank so like what are you talking about like there's there's, there's, there's nothing there. And I think that's particularly salty, particularly punty, because it takes away from, especially when you're saying it's an instance of bad luck, where you're saying, like, oh, like, I was so unlucky, and at the detriment of your opponent's good generalship. Yeah. And that's how I regard it. But I, I was also wondering, so it's like, from, from a general point of view, since, since you said this is, this is a game of luck, so like, there's, there's a huge component of the game that's, uh, that's skill. But especially when the skills are matched, then you know luck is still going to do a, a lot of the uh, of the job. Yeah. And so sometimes I've I've played games, and because I was curious about, so, so I've done a couple of like you know very informal uh, anecdotal data uh, collection, and so I've played a couple of games where I was absolutely not commenting, not even one uh, dice roll. It's like everything that happened, uh, I wasn't, um, you know, not even, not even the, uh, not even the chuckle after like, you know, a very strange voice. Like, okay, this happened. Okay, that happened. Okay, that happened. And with absolutely zero commentary and which is, you know, the, the opposite of, uh, blaming the dice. 
mm. was also it was absolutely not recognizing that that was part of the game as an event and as something that might have required a comment of sort. Yeah. And, and I had the impression that that takes away from the enjoyment of the game because you are you know you are supposed to say something about the dice. Well, yes, you don't because comment. Like all autists, right? Like, and and I totally agree because like I'm I'm like a borderline autist, right? And like. You know, I have my Vulcan stages, my Vulcan moods, you know, where I'm, like, emotionless and, you know, and, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I remember when Herminar was going over his Village of the Empire after ETC, I think with Skyhammer, uh, and he was talking about, like, I account for the fact that I'm going to fail charges, or, like, if I don't get the supporting charges, that's within the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, technically, I, I do agree, like, I mean, we could play the game devoid of commentary whereby one looks at each dice roll and says okay to some extent and with some particular interpretation which isn't hard to get every dice roll is expected right Mm -hmm. granted some are more unlikely than others but at the same time like the fact you're going to totally whiff even like a swift strike is not out with the realms of possibility again i mean unless you're a moron right in which case I mean, I guess it makes sense that you're like, playing with toys because you're like a social reprobate, right? But at the same time, like for the majority of us, it's a social thing, it's a fun thing, so you mm. do feel the need as a social being to be like, oh, unlucky mate, because you're not mm. super dry or boring. Mm. And sometimes I feel like a moron, right? I mean, I've been to events where it's like, you know, I had one game, um, the Bristol Ninjas, my last game, and my opponent was... A, the nominally lovely chap, great guy, I had a really great time, but every one of his fucking dice was just dog shit, right? And eventually you're just saying, oh, sorry, mate, that was like so unlucky. Uh, you're saying it so much to the point, I think it can be annoying. Mm. But again, through, like, you know, you want to be, as I say, just have fun and be personable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you act, right? And and on the other hand, like, you're also not being a moron, right? Because you also, whilst you're having fun, you also... You know, it's hard to sit through a three-hour game. We all know this, right? And get totally fucked, right? Especially when you've been traveling or even if you're just sitting up online, right? On UV, it's not fun, right? And so there's also that aspect of being personable where you don't want somebody to be feeling like they're having a shit time. So with that chat, I guess you're trying to like lift your spirits. Um, as I say, I think the issue comes because as I'm saying, like that can be annoying, right? But you're doing it for the right reason where you're wanting to make the person feel like they're still having fun, they're still, you know, part of the engagement. The issue comes when you have people taking away from other people's, like, skill, which, don't get me, like, don't misinterpret me, it's nothing to do with, like, luck, right? I mean, well, I mean, opportunities open whereby one can exploit, you know, honest mistakes and stuff. But what I mean is, like, there's a difference between somebody, like, fluffing their dice rolls and having no kind of counter charge element set up versus somebody who does fuck your threshold but already has a contingency in play, which is where I mean the skill would be coming from, or wh- where you would say somebody is skilled. As I say, somebody's saying something about luck, which is to the detriment of another player's ability, I think that's when it's problematic. Mm. Yeah, and just like, roll it, right? yeah, yeah, and it's just... And and we know who these people are, right? Like, we all know them. And it's a shame that... I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, the hobby... I mean, you know, Memphis is great. I mean, we, we all know, like, great people. I mean, in Scotland, we're certainly, by and large, you know, very relaxed and chill group. But 
we all know people at events or whatever who you know are just a pain to play against because they're so awful. Not not even awkward, but just you know like like difficult in that way. It sucks the fun out of the game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I mean, I, I really feel that's what Mike Martin's getting. At. Um, so I totally agree, Martin. You're forgiven for calling me a cunt, but um. <laughs> Until he does it, he does that again. You are a guy! It's gonna happen too. <laughs> I mean, I guess that Paul's right though, like, everyone gets a little bit like this. And we, like, we all have games where, uh, the, the dice are just cruel. And there's, there's nothing you can do, even if you, you, you know, you have all the contingency plans in the world. It just doesn't work sometimes because the dice just don't give you the opportunity to do anything in the game. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. There's there's a bit of sportsmanship involved there, and to kind of try and realise that. Can I share a nice anecdote about sportsmanship? Go for it. Guys, nerds, I should say. Um, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, am I a cunt? Am I a boring ass cunt? I want you to follow the example of Tommy Tucker, right? Tommy Tucker and I long ago had a very great game, a very fun game, and in that game, his chaos, oh sorry, I can't say chaos, um, what are they called again? Uh, Dark Gods, what is Dark Gods? Dark God, fucking clown, he's on that, he's on that big thing, what is it called? A chariot. No, it's not a chariot, it's like the beast. Face? A carcadon. Carcadon. So he's on a carcadon, yeah. <laughs> a scrap wagon ran into him and fucking killed Scrap wagon 80 points killed this guy who's like fucking, I don't know, over 400 points. You know what Tommy done? He had a laugh. He had a big belly of a laugh. And ever since then, we've always been like super good pals at events and we've always reminisced about this shit, right? So be a good fucking nerd. Don't be a gimp. Right? That's that's the key. Don't be a gimp. Be a be a TT, be a Tommy Tucker. Dude, we've had like in the last like four or five conversations I feel like we've had this you have brought this up every fucking time. <laughs> you won't find a reason There's to been tell a this story. You know, it's like right? It always comes back to those core stories. The TT the TT scrapper. No, what the what let me get my breath man. I'm just I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Man, that that sounds like you need to atone for your good luck. It's like, you're feeling bad Wait, about it. Wait, this is the last fucking game, man. Paul <laughs> <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. It was pretty hilarious. I, don't, I mean, it's kind of funny. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want Andy to get annoyed by too, too long on um, a tangent, right? But, um, <laughs> the last two games Paul and I have had, where I've rolled like, Arts and Goblins, because even at like, the first um, scrapyard, scruff, scrapyard Scuffle event, do you remember that? Like the last 20 minutes? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a pro gamer move and it just all the wacky shit happened and we're just like, fuck, when he finishes turn. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, fun time. See, guys, see, guys, I lost a kid, dear listener, right? Yelson. I had, a, I had a game with Paul last week and I, I mean, I got 20. No shame. Happens to the best of us and the worst of us, including me, right? And in one fucking move, I think I lost like half the fucking army by fleeing, right? Pretty much. Something like that. Have a laugh. Have a laugh. Don't blame it on luck, right? I should have fucking rallied on a name, but I fucking didn't, right? I fucking should have. That was, so, just for a bit of context, uh, if you didn't flee, you were going to die. It was basically my Merc Vet block charging the flank of your forest goblins. So Michael decided to flee. 
knowing that he was going to go straight through his only two remaining units. Mm-hmm. Now, this block had... Did it have your general and BSB in it? Perhaps. <laughs> so there, there was there was not going to be any re-rolls or high discipline for these subsequent discipline checks, but, I mean, if you had made it, it would have been... Oh, the, the funny thing was, because, like, because the two units were in the way, so I'm like, right, if I flee through them and rally them, I'm safe, right? Because you, there's no way you're going to, like, kind of get to me um, with the Merc Vets in, like, another turn. Um, and the unit also had the Crown of the uh, uh, Cavern King, which gives a unit Feigned Flight, which I hadn't realised. So I'm like, okay, fuck, I'll do the Feigned Flight and that'll be cool, I'll get to try this new item. <laughs> and so, like, so they flee, and then the other two Goblin units flee, it's like, okay, that's expected, you know, they're like, disciplined dog shit, whatever. And, and by this point, the, go- the Forest Goblin block, which is like 55 Goblin, big, right, and like, he's got like two characters or whatever there. Um, it's, it's near the board edge, and I'm okay. Again, if you stay in flight, we're, we're good. That guy fucking flees off the board. That whole unit flees off the board. And the two fucking disciplined six goblin units stick. Fuck, <laughs> 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 I don't need these guys anymore. <laughs> oh man. There was also a very funny Wrath of God that came down in a certain part of the show. Ah! Which Michael, <laughs> Michael decided to pop out his um, his wizard and stand about six inches away from it. And he didn't move him, but for the next two turns, the thing didn't come down. So there was this like small little goblin just looking at this rapid god <laughs> being like, I'm going to die this turn, I'm going to die this turn. <laughs> it was a funny game. That's cool. I also like the word dangerous. So that's personal motive. Guys, see if, if you're a listener, right, and if we have a game, you're, you're, you're leaving with couple of laughs, I can die peacefully on the triple. Right. <laughs> I'm just here for the good vibes. Right? <laughs> but you know, I, I think that if the if the main objective is to have fun, is like no, have a laugh, enjoy the game. I was wondering the the, the way the ninth age is set up is like being intrinsically the, at its core necessarily a uh, somehow competitive game is something that I'm I'm not experiencing that much. Because I'm I'm usually playing with uh, people who don't know the game very well, and I'm introducing them or reintroducing them. And so, actually, you know, my agenda for a particular game is never the tournament type of thing where you are desiring to win. Of of course, there's something that you know you you want to be you want to be a proper general. You want to know that you haven't made any mistake. But that's more between you and yourself. It's like it's not the point that's going to tell you whether you. Like you're not gonna be Napoleon just because you fucking slang my goblins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this tactic was remindful of the Battle of Austerlitz. Oh yeah, can you tell me more about it? Yeah, well I took my 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 tuskers and it's like what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a brain with you. So, you know, the, the point is that since I am playing most games uh, outside of the mentality, I would like to win. Actually, if I were in, in that mentality, I would be a bit, of a bit of a goofbag because I'm playing with somebody who hasn't been playing for so long and I want to reintroduce them into the game or somebody who has never played. So I'm not supposed to win in the first place. And then excessively swinging dice rolls when I'm incredibly... Uh, unlucky, for example, those are the best thing that, that that can happen to me as a as a player in that type of game because they are construing that they're building the epic 
memorable game experience for the person that I'm playing with. And so at, at some point it becomes a strange thing, like when you're playing not for the tournament, not for the victory, but you're just playing so that, um, you know, somebody can have a good impression of the game because you're showing them the game. Um, you're playing collaboratively and bad luck in a collaborative game makes for amazing, memorable, um, you know, uh, events that make people like the game even more. It is the point where you are trying to win, and it's the point where you're trying to score points, then then you start having this feeling about uh, about bad luck as ruining your game. But in, in the perspective where I come from, bad luck is enhancing the game, because it's making it wackier and less expected, and, sure. uh, and, and all of this. So I, I was wondering, is there any way of, you know, organizing the ninth age more in a collaborative type of um, type of setting? Is, is it something that would change the ninth age? It's already a thing, man. Just get yeah. 20 in the first game and spend the rest of the event. <laughs> that's, that's where the fun is at. That's where the banter had. That's, you know, you don't get into arguments with obese men about, well, actually, you wield 1.5 of an inch longer. So just fuck off. You know, just stop fucking cheating, then, Michael. Then we won't have those debates. Are you not? I've got a bit of a brain fog at the I guess it's like it's a, a difference of like why people play the game as well. Um, sure. Like, there's definitely like the you know the hobby heroes out there that will turn up, not give a single fuck if they get twenty to five. Eisen hands, shout out to Eisen hands. <laughs> And like they are the legends of the game, and we, we would be uh, far less without them. Um, but like the, the game is competitive, and it is intrinsically a competitive game where you, you should be trying to win. Mm-hmm. And like when I play a game, I try and win. Yeah. But there is there's a <laughs> element there as well. Like I don't, you shouldn't feel bad for trying to win the game because that's the whole fucking point of the game. For but sure, for sure. But there are people around it as well. <laughs> Mm. Guys, we're not here for long. We're, I mean, I'm, I've probably got an illness I don't know about. You know I mean, like, might not even get to another event. The point is just go, make friends, try and win. But also, don't be afraid to flee and have something great happen. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Deserve to lose. I'm working on a feel-good podcast. Um, I'm just trying new material for it. Right, no more podcasts. We've got enough competition as it is. We don't need any more podcasts. You guys have competition? Who's that? <laughs> oh, he's back. <laughs> podcast like a motherfucker. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> you guys yeah. should get used to the mantra. You're right, that's way better than the one we've already got. Um, I heard it. Podcast like a motherfucker. Is that what you guys know? We don't stop starting shit with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there's an interesting voice. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know. Oh fuck! I'm interested in sourcing the voice actors. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've spent fifty minutes talking shit and not actually um, talking about what we. Yeah, well, where are we going to get to this agenda? Um, yeah, let's uh, let's head on into the main topic of the show. Magic Radio. 
So the reason we've gathered the uh, the brains that are uh, Michael and Francesco on the show tonight is to discuss Essence of War and getting people into the hobby. So first off, let's let's chat about Essence of War. For anyone that isn't aware, Francesco, what is Essence of War? What's the, the kind of concept behind it? So Essence of War is how you play the Ninth Age in less than one hour. It's a it's a rule book that gives you the opportunity of playing a, a rank and file fantasy <laughs> game. He doesn't like that. Mike doesn't I'm sorry. like that. I'm sorry. Just as you said that, I had a mental image of someone opening the book and it just says "flee through your cobwebs." <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm not in the game design team, right? Yeah. I am. I am <laughs> proposing. I, I will be I will be going after the after this show is recorded. I will go on the forum and propose a motion to add in the uh, the fluff snippets that you have at the beginning of the various chapters in uh, in the book. Don't be afraid to flee. <laughs> that, that's 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 great. Great. Yeah. Sorry, Francesco. Please. Go. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that, that's also a way to like you know finish up your game in, in less than one hour, so you don't need yeah. any rule sets. You can just do that. <laughs> but you know you can you can you can play a, a full meaningful rank and file fantasy war game session in uh, you know in, in one hour without necessarily having having to do that that fleeing thing. And the point is that we I, I think that we need a, a faster game we need a faster game that can be played by people who are more busy than they used to be when they were teenagers and playing uh, you know the old large version of the game we need a, a fast game that can be uh, explained quickly to new players that um uh, they don't know how to war game we need a, a a fast game that can be um, introduced to people who used to play the big large game, but they would say, "Yeah, I would never have the time to, uh, you know, go through a, a complex rulebook right now." So essentially, Essence of War is a is a um, is the the first rulebook in this game system which is called Quick Play. And before we, we used to call it Quick Starter, which, which is a name that you know had its reasons, but it also had its problems. And the point is that we want it to be for quick games, but not only for beginner players. It can also be something that's valuable for people who like the complexity of a rank and file, not just a skirmish type of game, but they are simply, you know, um, compressed on time, essentially. Yeah. Very much a game for everyone, not just a game for people getting into the hobby. You can definitely only play Essence of War after you've been playing the Ninth Age or any previous uh, mass rank and file system. Um, we have two uh, components to the game. There's the basic rules and there's the advanced rules. The basic rules are based on simply having pre-made armies and then I think that there's like something like 20 pages altogether of rules that comprise the entire phases. And you simply have your armies already made for you, the scenario is fixed, and then you can use that for learning the game. But once you've learned the basics, then you can add some 10 more pages of uh, advanced rules, and then you can start building your own army based on, uh, you know, some small army lists where you can, uh, that you can use to create your own, uh, your own sets. And at that point, you can play games that I think will be nicely balanced up to 2500 points 
And, you know, if, if you can play a 2500 points game in uh, one hour, one hour and a half, and, you know, you can take one afternoon and you can do a triangular league. Is triangular league a, a thing in, in, in English? Is, is, is the, is the concept on A plays versus B, A plays versus C, and B plays versus C, for example? It is now. Okay, it is now. We made it. We made it. <laughs> by the power vested in us, <laughs> the MGR podcast, we we created that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's patent pending now. <laughs> and you you can you know you can you can have that in one afternoon. You can have a mini tournament in in one afternoon, for example. That's something that you can't really have with the other system. And so you don't have to be a beginner player to enjoy that, for example. Would you, someone out of curiosity, just talking about? developing a, a rule system whereby you can play and enjoy the game within that kind of compressed time period. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you were finding very much was a criticism of the game? Was I'd like to play it but I just don't have four hours. Like were you approaching people and was that, was that the kind of feedback that you were getting? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. There was there were, uh, you know uh, some of the people I used to play with in the past were also valuing the uh, the human connection of playing a game. Playing a game is not only pushing toy soldiers on the board, it's also having a chat at the beginning, at the end, at the end having a drink, you know, the chatting a little bit. And if you have a, a two or three hours slot and you know that there is not even going to be enough to complete the game, then it makes people, the, 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 the people that used to play the game in the past and they're not playing it anymore, they're gonna, it's gonna make them not interested into, into jumping into the nine page. So that was a problem. Uh, for the new players, it was definitely a problem to, uh, you know, having to read, uh, a, a 120 pages rule book. I don't know if you've seen right now, we had the publication of the, uh, two column layout rule book. And it is great because now the rule book is only 100 pages. <laughs> And, <laughs> and I and I was I was reading that that piece of of PR for the news and I was like amazed that's great I love that you made it and I I can understand how much work goes into using LaTeX to change the document and put it into things and reducing the rulebook for for a twenty percent size it's amazing it's a it's a great thing and then I took off my nine page hat. And I looked at the statement with the eyes of an outsider and I was like, what? Now the rule book is only 100 pages. <laughs> so I, I, I could, you know, take an exam at, at the university with, with that type of, of complexity of the game. So in some cases, what we see as simple is nowhere close to the level of simplicity that people outside of our community would consider as acceptable to step into the game. Is there then a, a disconnect between what some people want out of the game and what other people want out of the game? So everyone wants to play a rank and file war game, and for for various reasons, this is the kind of system that you want. It's had you know it's the ninth age system, but then is there a disconnect between people who love the complexity, who love having you know a very you know let's be face it a huge rule set with 16 army books each with their own rules and interactions and they love that complexity and they love that all coming together on the table is there then a a problem there where um because i think everyone agrees that it's a super complex game it's probably the hard one of the hardest board games you can play in terms of Mm -hmm. the rules density Um, Mm and so 
how do we then make that accessible for people? Is that an issue? Yeah. No, I, I think that this is, this is a crucial point. I've, I've been looking at architectures of game simplicity. And for example, if you look at the simpler games, normally what you have, uh, for example, let's take the example of dealing damage. And you have one unit, and this unit is going to deal damage on a 3+, plus or on a 4+, plus, for example, uh, independent of the target. This is the way that, for example, uh, the newer game from Games Workshop works like, uh, Age of Sigma, you have uh, statistics that are related to the model and that are independent of the target. To some extent, uh, other simplified rank-and-file games also work like this. Uh, not not every single game works like this, but if you chart, uh, you know, um, uh, Oathmark, uh, the uh, Game of Thrones game, Kings of War, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Age of Sigma, you essentially see that the game is simplified in the sense that you have one value, uh, one uh, variable to the function. And in the ninth age, you have two variables to the function. You need to know who I am and who you are in order to determine the role. And this thing uh, looks like a complexity from the point of view of the rules, because you have to explain more things. But you can explain the two wounds table in, uh, in half a, a column of one page. It's not that much complexity in the writing of the rules. But what that means is that it pushes you to understand matchups in a completely different way. So it gives you, yeah. it's a, you pay very little uh, complexity currency in terms of writing the rulebook and you gain a lot more in depth from the, uh, from the tactical and the, and the, and the game type, type of gaming experience. And so this is where Essence of War is trying to, to locate itself. We are only paying the complexity money if it gives us a huge investment, uh, if it gives us a, a huge yield in terms of depth. And I, I have the impression that sometimes people who play fantasy games, they are either in the, you need a lot of complexity from the rules point of view so you can get depth, or in order to give you a simple rule book, I am okay with removing depth. Mm. And I think that that's where people don't, people who play different games, they don't get each other. Because I say, oh, gosh, this is complex, and there's, there's so many values and things that I have to keep in mind. But the difference is in how interactive you make the, um, the gaming experience. Yeah. So what are the big differences between Essence of War and the, the kind of full rule set? Where are the areas that you've chosen to introduce that simplification? No stress, No stress, yeah, that's a big one. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's for the basic game though. We have that in the advanced. We, have we that need to release the advanced P. I've been telling you, we can't hold back the floodgates anymore. Rob RH World Building, check him out on Patreon guys. Um that's another sponsor for Market Radio. Um Thank you very much. Rob has been on my back, he's been up my ass, rotting me. He's like, mate, get that fucking out. I wanna bring you know, I don't wanna bring just one unit of skinks, I wanna bring fifty of them. Yeah. No, that's... I'd love to, mate. I'd love to, but P. It's going to be my insane. <laughs> I, I have a very bad reputation in, inside of the Essence of War team, as, as, as every team leader should have, of course. That's like, I find it very healthy. <laughs> because it looks like I'm withholding the relief of the, uh, 
of the advanced of the advanced patrols, and also even for the basic ones, I'm just like you know using the uh, uh, how's it called the drop counter. How do you say that in English? It's like you know the, just administering one drop at a time instead of giving all of the patrols. Essentially, the point is that as soon as we give the advanced uh, the advanced army lists. Uh, what is gonna happen is that the people who read that, most of the people who read that, will necessarily read that through the filter of fantasy battles. Mm. And if you read the armies that we've created for the advanced rule sets through the eyes of fantasy battles, then there's gonna be a lot of explaining to be done and there's gonna be a lot of bias that you have to counteract. And so the, the point of delaying the publication of of the uh, advanced amelis was to let people see essence of war juxta propria principia in itself I, I don't know how to say this not through the eyes of fantasy battles mm. because if you see it through the eyes of fantasy battles you are doomed to see all of the things that are different and that are not working and that are skewed but if you don't know that the way you win a game is by taking care of that uh, uh, for example, specific mission or secondary objective, for example, then you won't be able to to uh, to understand that. And we we've had a number of times in the uh, you know in the community um, uh, in, the, in the during the release process, we have seen a number of times that people were integrating the new stuff coming from Essence of War from the point of view of fantasy battles and. All the all the idea behind let's play the basic level a bit more was about getting people into the essence of war mindset so that they don't judge and essentially perceive even just basically perceive the new advanced rules with the uh, with a different mindset than than the one that you will be played in to begin with. It's an interesting point, but do you still think do you still think there is that um, mentality around um, like? Not aware of lessons of war. Well, you know, you you can see you can see how people, for example, are commenting how magic works in in Essence of War. So just just to give a, a brief introduction, every patrol in Essence of War, every pre-made army has uh, one caster, with possibly one or two exceptions out of the uh, nineteen uh, factions, and each of these casters uh, has two spells, maybe three. Okay, with a few exception, a few exceptions have three spells, but most of them have two spells only. And the the casting values are around five, six. Sometimes you go down to four. Sometimes you go up to uh, to nine. And the way that the flux cards work, since we needed to simplify, we removed the uh, the veil token mechanics. So you have uh, a maximum of uh, seven um, dice for casting your spells. And the opponent is going to have a maximum of four dice for dispelling the, the spells. Now, the point is, if you um, have seven dice and the opponent has four, best case scenario, you're going to cast one spell during that phase. And a lot of players who come from fantasy battles, when they see the new patrols and they see the spells that are available, they go like, ah, yeah, you know, that, that's all you can do. You can only cast one spell. You can only cast one one thing. But that thing is supposed to not be the centerpiece of your army. You are learning how to play a mass rank and file fantasy war game. I don't want you to rely on shooting. I don't want you to rely on magic. Maybe you cast that one spell. Maybe you don't. If you don't, try and use your spellcaster 
tactically. You know, try and use that dude as chaff. It is not supposed to bring a huge component of magic because we want you to have the non-hero hammer type of feeling. We want you to have the, uh, you know, this is just a wizard and it is one-fourth of the army and you cannot expect this guy to do anything absolutely crazy. But since in fantasy battles you can kit your wizard in a way that it's going to play a very interesting role and there's so much fun things and choices going on into the magic phase, then you see that Essence of War is lacking from that point of view. And uh, this is just one example of how people can see Essence of War through the eyes of fantasy battles, and by doing so, they miss the chance of seeing, you know, how it can be used for teaching the game to the new players. Then when we go to the advanced part, you have extra spells, and you have, you know, selection of spells, you have more than two, you have items that give you spells, so you can have one caster with four spells that you have decided which of them they are. So that, that works differently. When you only have seven power dice and then you have four spells, then you can meaningfully play the uh, the magic phase. But yeah. uh, I, I bring it back to like the main difference. It's like as as P is saying, it's like again, nobody should be under any illusions that primarily it is an intro to Night Age. And granted, there is the facet whereby it allows one to have like a shorter game with a friend, and again, like if you're coming out where you want like, you know, shoot the beast with a friend, and roll some dice, and move some minis about, it's great for that. But if we were to focus on the introductory aspect of it, compared mm. to fantasy, that was one of the biggest differences, is that you only have four turns in which to play, and not six. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if we continue with magic, for instance, in fantasy battles you have potential of eight flux cards, of which over the game you'll draw six, right? Mm-hmm. And in the essence of war, you have a total of six flux cards. Mm-hmm. And in a similar fashion, you'll only draw a maximum of four, right? One for each turn of the game. So it's mm-hmm. already off the bat, it's a much shorter game mm-hmm. um, because of turn duration. And if we're looking at the essence of war, like the quick play rule system, like the most fundamental version of the game, as we were saying there, everyone, almost, well, everyone has a character who in most cases will be a caster. And again, like, you know, you're not expecting these guys usually like these characters. It's giving you a feel for, like, yeah, we've got like the rank and flank element, but you also have buffs and defensive spells. You already with some of the patrols, so the patrols are the pre-made armies. We have a character, usually a caster, as we said, usually a special unit, and then two Core units, yeah. Two core units, yes. We're usually chosen to kind of give like a reflective, or sorry, rather I should say, chosen to be reflective of the flavor of the army, right? But at the same time, one gets to play about the common element, like cavalry, how to cav- what, what are cavalry good for from the most general point of view in a rank and flank game? Well, they're fast, usually, right? They're usually well armored in the age, so that's reflective. And so what you end up having then is like almost a microcosm of ninth age fantasy battles because what you have is like three or three units, four including a character, with which to set up like you know a, a strategy. You know, I, do I bait with one unit? Do I set up a cabs counter charge? Even chatting, right? Where like suppose one unit is decimated by shooting and or magic, you then have to. Well, I'm probably not going to win a very big if at all. 
So I need to try and contest a central object, secondary object. Well, I say secondary, but this is really just the one. Mm-hmm. Right so again, like it's really in a microcosm, in a safe, secure environment, one plays with the core concepts of not just the ninth stage, but a rank and file game. And I guess that would be a third major difference. Um, there's only one deployment, effectively, in um, mm-hmm. it's War. Granted, yeah. the game might change about, but nonetheless, but one deployment um, mm-hmm. on a much smaller board. So this is, um, you can probably correct about four by three. Yeah, it's hard. Um, and then one also just has the one objective, which is basically to hold the central ground. So who has the most units not playing character? within um, a disk of a radius of six inches. So, uh, for example, I think this example with the uh, with the victory conditions is, is crucial because it, it gives you a very good idea of where we're simplifying and where we are, uh, you know, also with respect to the basic game and the advanced essence of war game. For example, in the basic game, this is what uh, uh, Michael told you about, one type of deployment, one type of victory condition, you don't count points because the armies are pre-made, so you know they're balanced in a way that you don't have to uh, calculate the points. But in the advanced game, you can choose different point values for the units, and so we reintroduce the tallying of the points at the end of the game, and then you have a uh, bonus of let's say 25% of the uh, of the army size if you have uh, won one of four different objectives. One would be the one that uh, that Michael was mentioning before. So if you are within the center of the uh, of the board, but there, there's also the uh, breakthrough type of uh, um, of secondary objective. There's the controlling two markers somewhere else on the battlefield, and there's the killing the uh, the enemy general. So these four different scenarios add on top of the calculation of points. And this is a difference, this is something halfway between how you do it in the basic version of Essence of War and how you do it in Fantasy Battles. But the deployment remains the same. Deployment remains like, uh, uh, you know, 24 inches from the, uh, from the, from the midline. Mm-hmm. So some things we are simplifying to one issue. So deployment, that's how it works. You don't have the, uh, the strange diagonal uh, thing, so that that thing is super simplified. Other things like the victory condition are super simplified in the basic game, but then we reinject some complexity and variability in the in the advanced game. Because the point is that we have war bands for uh, fantasy battles. You can play at less than three thousand points mm-hmm. using the fantasy battles rule, and we don't want to compete with that. I don't think it would be a good idea to make people want to play at 3,500 points uh, Essence of War because you have a smaller version of Fantasy Battles. And what we are trying to give to players is filling in all of the uh, spaces in this ladder so that you can, you know, you can do the basic Essence of War, then you can do the advanced Essence of War, then you can do War Bands, then you can do Fantasy Battles at 4,500. So is the yeah is the idea behind that to basically have a ladder system where you get new players playing the basic essence of war. So mm-hmm. basically ninth age with training wheels on. Then mm-hmm. you take one of the training wheels off for the advanced rule yeah. set for essence of war. And then you take the the other one off when you're kinda of pushing them into the main rule book at that point. Is that the kind of core concept behind it? 
Yeah, exactly. That's the we want to give a path so that people, you know, and and I think that we can gamify, we can make it cute from from the PR point of view, and like you know, level up, go to the next step, and like you know, mm. we can we can give this type of feeling to to new players because players like to unlock the achievement of the extra rule set. And actually, to to give you the uh, the full picture, I also have. Um, uh, obsessed last year with my um, Kickstarter for the step that's below Essence of War, basic version. And it would be this um, introductory uh, game system where you only have two miniatures. You only have two miniatures, you have an elf and an orc, for example, and then in the first scenario it, it's one playing card. You have to imagine a, a poker card or a magic card that tells you this is how you play the shooting scenario. Once you've played that, then you move to the next scenario, always with those two miniatures, and you learn how to do charging. And then after that, you can learn how to do combat. And then after that, you learn how to do movement, marching and advancing, penalties for, um, you know, advance and shoots. You don't shoot when you march, this type of things. And then in the first, fifth card, you learn how to use terrain. Because if you're only using shooting and uh, charging and combat and movement, you can be on a line. You don't need to have the freedom of moving around. So there's, there's, there's different steps where you can enter into the game. And if you used to play fantasy, uh, rank and file, um, um, mass fantasy war games, then you probably want to start with Essence of War, the advanced rule sets. If you never heard about that, if you never heard about uh, wargaming, you want to start with the super simplified version with the uh, two miniatures and the, and the playing cards. No rulebook, just cards, scenario cards. If you played a different, simpler type of wargame, uh, and, and, or if you play, uh, in general, um, a lot of um, simple board games, then you can start with Essence of War Basic. If you used to be a veteran of uh, the uh, the old games workshop games. Then you can start with the uh, with the ninth age fantasy battles and maybe start with three thousand points with the war bands so that you don't have to go into the uh, intricated complexities uh, into the tactics on the battlefield and then you scale up to forty five hundred. And I think that the ninth age should be giving people at all levels a good reason to jump onto the boat. And um, that's what Essence of War is trying to do at the lower, easier, and or faster end of the spectrum. Do you think, for for new people that are coming in that don't have a background in wargaming, do you think, apart from it being just generally more accessible, do you think there's actually benefits to them developing as a wargamer by playing the Essence of War rule set first, mm. rather than just jumping in to playing fantasy battles. Do you think actually that in the long run would make you a more successful yeah, wargamer? That's, this is an excellent question. I would love to have uh, quantitative evidence on this topic. My feeling is that because we aren't um, putting the emphasis on magic, we aren't putting the emphasis on uh, shooting, we aren't putting the emphasis on the... Uh, uh, equipment choices for your characters or your units, you are, essentially, when you play Essence of War, what you are concentrating the most about is movement. Mm. 
is the charges and the positioning. Because we strip away most of the complexity, the magic page, the rules for magic phases, uh, for the magic phase is one page. All of the rules for magic only fit into one page. It is not the same for charges and, and movement, for example. So that part is more, um, is more prominent in, uh, in Essence of War. And I think that if you start learning uh, the ninth age by focusing on movement, rather than all of the crazy interactions between rules and special rules and other things, you just get the basics of chaffing, uh, anvil hammering, uh, uh, understanding your charges and the positioning and zoning, which are all, you know, tactical concepts that you can apply in Essence of War then you're going to keep them with you at the heart of your gaming experience. And the way I see fantasy battles now, as a non-professional tournament goer player, movement is huge. And uh, Essence of War is really focusing on that. So I think that, that it gives you an advantage in terms of learning as a step towards then playing fantasy battles later on. Yeah, yeah I think, like, Maybe if I can just chime in here as well, like, mm. I think, I think as well, like, I mean, even, I mean, P and I could talk about people who, you know, like Rob, for example, so mm-hmm. Arjun, who started with Essence of War, and then, you know, him and I had, like, a Warband level game, or yeah. started one at least, yeah. um, but even then, like, just to kind of see, like, as P is saying, even things like just being aware of charges, right, like, what is a sensible charge, how do you use it? determine what is a sensible charge and granted if you've been playing Warhammer Fantasy if you've then been playing like Ninth Age you'll probably treat this kind of second nature or as second nature but again it's kind of interesting where again like just by virtue of the fact that you have three units to look at right or like three combat units I want to say it, it really forces you to think like right if I want this to happen I need to be thinking that needs to happen that needs to happen too yeah. What is going to increase my chance of doing that? So again, even like in terms of like, if I could call it like, almost like gameplay mechanics, right? <laughs> like the game is won by charges, right? You don't really win the game by shooting because it's not reliable. You know, if you play fantasy battles, granted, you can invest in magic and will get your return. But again, like the game effectively is run by like the wee shit dudes on like 20 by 20 or 25 by 25 bases. And you need to get them into combat. So I think... By virtue of focusing on a smaller kind of battlefield with a, a, a less lesser number of units, mm-hmm. it is something that you can then apply, right? Because granted, while some of the rules are a bit different by virtue of being a simplification, right? Yeah. Um, and whilst when you jump to fantasy battles, you will recognize intricacies which weren't there, the core elements are there. And as I say, like, it's maybe, you know, not entirely objective, but looking at somebody like Rob, for instance, who really wants to play the advanced version of the game, right? Because I think, you know, we have, like, the playtesters, I've been one of them too, um, also granted them a bit odd in that I'm kind of coming from fantasy battles, but again, it does get to that stage where people are like, okay, I want to, I want to take it up a notch and kind of yeah. play with things like Swift Drive and these, these rules which add flavour to the game, right? Yeah. And that's chill, but it's interesting to note that not everyone who comes to it is somebody who's coming from what I played 8th in 2009 and I now want to play 9th age. It's, like, it's kind of cool that you have people who legit have never had a fucking experience before and they're actually going through the Essence of War route, which I guess goes back to like what it's really all about. And that, that's the future, right? right? 
because yeah, we're, sure. gonna, we're, we're fast approaching a stage where we're going to be getting players, hopefully, getting interested in ninth who have never played Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, I, I think we need to do that because yeah. otherwise it's going to be a self-referential type of community. And uh, yeah, and, and I think that people are interested. I, th- I think that people out there, uh, like, you know, the youngsters, the TikTok crowd, they. <laughs> You know, they they want some some complexity and some challenge. I'm I'm not subscribing to this narrative according to which, like you know, life has become uh, uh, faster and nobody wants to commit to anything complicated. For example, I was I was talking uh, yesterday with a friend and he was he was asking me like, are you uh, uh, watching movies nowadays? And I was like, no, not really. I'm more of a series type of person. I was telling him that, you know, I realized that some, uh, maybe some 20 years ago, when I was watching um, Natural Born Killers, which is not a bad movie, but by the time I hit the, uh, you know, the uh, the mid-show interruption, I stood up, I went doing something else, and I never came back. And I was enjoying the movie, but the idea of committing two hours was starting to become, like, you know, a bit, bit of a daunting task. Then at the same time, I watch series with like you know several seasons and uh, and episodes, and I binge watch episodes. So the problem is not the complexity. The problem is not the um, it's not that I cannot absorb some, something that is not bite sized, but is I want something that it is at, that is at the same time shorter and lo- longer as an experience. Also something that can be repeated in a in a short periodic repetition rate. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will not dash a long time, but I will get my best. <laughs> no, more no of the short. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I didn't even touch it. I know I just took off my pants. So you know, multiplying the uh, the fun, ex- more matchups, more shorter matchups. Is that, is that what you say? <laughs> <laughs> you know, with different opponents and new, new people, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So you know that that fits with the narrative of the youngsters today. They might not be uh, against this at all, and uh, especially now that we are transitioning to playing online, and I, I think that that there's huge strides being uh, being made, either in public or behind curtains. Towards um, uh, towards video gaming with the ninth age, then you know we can talk to a different crowd. We can talk to different people, and I still maintain that uh, in a not distant future there will be television televised tournaments uh, of the ninth age. There will be an esports scene, just like you have for other video games or for other events. We just have to make it happen. But I know plenty of people in, in, in the Far East uh, just waiting to get their hands on a hobby that can be as rich as, as the one we, uh, we are pushing. That's, well, I've got two points, actually, two questions. The, the first of which, I thought it was really interesting talking about the levels of complexity there, because when I played with my partner, Jordan, um, she, like, we play a lot of chess and things like that, so she's, she's very, she can grasp tactical games quite easily she mm-hmm. thinks quite strategically mm-hmm. 
as the division of labour in my household, although I'm um, <laughs> And uh, But the one thing that she struggled with, with the rules, wasn't the magic, it wasn't the movement, it was the to hit and to wound rules. Mm-hmm. And that's because she had to she had to go to the chart. Whereas yeah. everything she kind of saw that on the sheet it said, you know, cast, you know, Word of mm-hmm. Iron or whatever on a, on a five, and, you know, she knew how many dice everyone had. But that was the one thing yeah. that she, she just couldn't really get her head around. Now, yeah. part of that's just because it's, it's not like another game, right? And it, it would just take time. But I, I just thought it was yeah. really interesting that you, you were talking about that. And that was the one thing that, um, she struggled with. Um, yeah. and I, I, I kind of, a separate question is your point about things moving online and things like how, how successful do you think the Essence of War project has been thus far? And have you seen pe- more people interact with it now that we, we're kind of in this online age where people are going on things like UB and Tabletop Simulator? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as for the um, as for the um, uh, the first point, very quickly, I think that something like the hit table is something that is on our responsibility to make very visible and very accessible, like a card, like mm-hmm. a, a three by four inches card that's sitting on the battlefield. And once you have understood. How that works, once you have it under your eyes, then it becomes, you know, more of a second nature. But right now, it's buried inside the rulebook, and you have to flick pages back and remember the formula. So that's, that's something that we can improve on, I think, in visual terms and in the, in the way that we present the information. But then again, it's the thing that makes you think about matchups. It's the thing that makes you yeah. think, oh, well, yeah, you know, I want this unit to go against that unit. It's not just this unit is my strongest unit. Yeah. There's no such thing. So that's the, uh, that's a very important point. I, I will, I will uh, experiment on this and hopefully, uh, if you can ask for, for feedback, uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be very happy to know what this works, uh, in, in that, in that terms. And this is, by the way, so linking to the second, the second issue, this is also something that I'm trying to put in the, uh, in the video game adaptation. So the video game adaptations, they have all sorts of learning materials. So if you want to see, uh, for example, the probability table uh, for, uh, you know, casting a spell with three dice, then you have immediately uh, under your eyes. So this is one of the advantages of the uh, online type of gaming experience where you can create all sorts of markers that have uh, things in and, you know, you don't even have to print them, just code them in. But on in terms of how successful this is being and how much... Uh, you know, of a, of a segment of new players, this is attracting. That is sorely unrewarding. I feel like I'm fighting a uphill battle with the help of a few amazing friends who are, you know, pulling, pulling a lot of weight behind all of this. But Nick was mentioning, uh, Rob, uh, RH World Building is the guy who uh, does this amazing 2.5D uh, miniatures and he's been playing a lot of games and he's been roping other friends in and you know he asked his brother do you want do you want to play games since you used to play in the past and now there's a few people that are you know coming in uh, coming in through his outreach work I'm giving a platform for people to draw other people in and that's I think what we need to be successful. I think that we are not drawing in a lot of people because not a lot of people tell their friends, come on, let's have a game. Mm. And uh, this is something that I can do to an extent. So now we have this 
this Discord uh, group for which is called uh, Veil of the Ages. And if you join that group, then you can book a game, and then you can invite a friend to play a game with you, and then I open the tabletop simulator mods, we find a schedule, and I explain how things work, both in terms of Essence of War and in terms of tabletop simulator, and that works really nicely uh, in itself as a platform, but it only functions if people say, okay, I want to play a game, I'm going to invite my friend, okay. I'm going I'm to do this thing. And so there's, at some point, the ninth age, in terms of staff, can only go so far. At mm. some point, people have to tell their friends, do you want to see this game? Because I cannot simply draw people in from Facebook or YouTube, because the algorithm is not my friend. If everybody from the ninth age was there, like, you know, putting likes and adding comments to every single uh, YouTube or Twitch video that I made, then maybe I could become visible to other people outside of the uh, the sphere of people who are already inside the ninth age. This is not happening for very understandable reasons. I'm not complaining about that at all. But that means that the only alternative is if uh, Mick tells other people, do you want to play a game with me? And this is happening to an extent, but it's only on the shoulders of uh, half a dozen of us. So I think that what we need to make the online gaming thing function is to have people on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook tell their friends, do you want to have a game? And uh, until that happens, the huge potential for uh, uh, for the, uh, you know, the fusion of the ninth age is not going to be met because it's just a matter of, uh, you know, expanding the network and every node has to become a repeater of the experience. Otherwise, for as much as I post stuff every day, there's only going to be those, I don't know, five or six hundred people uh, from the uh, Ninth Age community who are subscribed to my page that are going to see this stuff. Well, that leads very nicely into the next topic. But before we go into that, um, Paul, if you get any other questions you want to ask about the Essence of War side of things. It's interesting listening to Pitlego just talk about it in that kind of mindset like it's certainly um like it's something i hadn't really ever appreciated was even from the point of view of a, a tool for developing your gameplay like and we've kind of spoke about this a little bit in the past where we've had a couple of three thousand point events mm-hmm. and i think we both felt after playing several games at that points level having played 4500 points is you do appreciate certain aspects of the game a lot more when you have less to play with mm-hmm. because you need to be a lot more tactical and you're yeah. just because you are that little bit more limited yeah so it's probably not something that i really appreciated thinking about the essence of war rule set is simply mm-hmm. oh like when you only have three or four units on the table like in a way the game is a lot more difficult yeah. because you have to be a lot more strategic and so it's got that nice balance to it where it's accessible for new people because it's not super daunting you get told what to use a lot of it's been streamlined and simplified mm-hmm. but at the same time they're, 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 they're learning the core mechanics of the game they, they probably will intuitively and not even realize it appreciate yeah. those aspects of the game more when they do move on so it's quite interesting i've only played the rule set a couple of times with my other half and I think when we did it, I had to kind of twist our arm 
because <laughs> I was curious as to what she'd think of it. Because I'd, I'd love it if she got into playing Nine Days because it would be a hobby mm-hmm. that we could do together. But I just, I almost feel like she's too competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not enough. <laughs> like, wow. It's, she needs to be good at things straight away. Mm-hmm. And so it's like she doesn't give herself the opportunity to, like, to learn, to, like, to, yeah. to be to be bad for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that's something like because like I I never played Eighth Edition, like I I've only ever played Ninth Age. I okay. I was watching Eighth Edition videos and that's how I I wanted to get into the hobby and then I discovered that it wasn't a thing anymore, which is why I play Ninth now. But I wonder, in hindsight, if Essence of War had been like available at the time, I wonder if that would have appealed to me the same way that a mass rank and file mm-hmm. battle would. Like, do you find when you talk to to people about getting in, or at least trying the system as a gateway into wargaming, do you find that it can be a harder sell? Because I guess maybe for people of our generation, like growing up and seeing like a games workshop store and seeing these huge mm-hmm. armies in the window painted, that's obviously something that's not in this game. Yeah. So do you, do you think that's a barrier, or or do people appreciate that? Oh, this is just this is just a start. This is what I'm aiming for. Yeah. Or does that not even come up, do you find, when you talk to people about the yeah. No, you, you are right. This is true. Uh, if if I only show the, the basic version of the game, people say, what, I only have three units and a character? That's it? Yeah. It's like, this is my potential for growth. It's like, just these three units. And at this point, what, what Michael was saying is, is very true. We need to release the, the Kraken of the advanced game. Because <laughs> when you have eight units, each of which comes with uh, three options, so 24 times 20 factions, 16 plus four supplements, all of a sudden you have 480 uh, individual items that you can, that you can uh, put to your collection. Instead of the uh, four units times, uh, you know, the uh, the ten uh, factions that we have released so far. Mm. So moving from forty to four hundred and eighty is going to give people the impression: Wow, this is a universe. I want to step into this universe. And if the experience is too small, then it won't be inviting. At the same time, if the rules are too complex, it will be too daunting. And uh, so we, we have to strike this balance, and this is why we separated these things between basic and, 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 and the advanced portion. But the point is that um, you, I think that, uh, that as Paul said, you, you need to have a large universe behind it so that you can be drawn into it and you can, you know, relish in the complexity and, and the richness of the universe. But this is something that applies not only to the, uh, to the gaming experience itself, but also to how well fleshed out the universe is in, in the first place. So it is also something that has to do with the background and with the art. So I think that at some point, Essence of War can provide something of value in terms of, of simplicity, but it is still based on the Ninth Age being a rich, immersive type of, uh, of universe, which is, then again, this is the fantasy battles prerogative with the, with the uh, full army books. So I, I think I completely agree that you need to have a large collection of potential things to uh, make somebody wonder, what if I added this unit? What if I chose to do things differently? And uh, now, at this moment, the only thing is which 
uh, pre-made army am I going to play and against which pre-made army am I going to play. There's only these two variables here. And there is a problem for some people. Some people want to have more, especially if they were uh, accustomed to the, uh, you know, to the old, to the old ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, so two things. One, you've given Andrew another reason to use release the Kraken from a soundboard. So I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming he's fucking ecstatic about that. Stand by. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, I guess kind of like what you were saying earlier about your hobby mm-hmm. taking images of people's painted armies and scanning mm-hmm. them and then using these as tools for playing yeah. online. I guess the other thing is actually just having, like recreating these 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 um lists, these pre-made lists of, of yeah. these three or four units. Like if I suppose if if they're all still painted and set up on a nice table, that yeah. will still appeal to people. So I guess like yeah. not simply just thinking about the project in terms of a rule set, but then how you actually yeah present it to people and say okay here's a very simplified rule set and this is how the game actually looks and i think the visual aspect is probably as important as the rules yeah this is one of the reasons why you know for for as great as uh, universal battle is and i and i'm friends with lorenzo the the developer i'm 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 a big fan of what is done and it has turned out to be amazing and to have available in especially uh, during the last uh, 12 months or so yeah, big but, shout out to Lorenzo. What a, what a lot of work he's put in. Good job, Lorenzo. Get that get that dice yeah. uh, algorithm fixed, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll get you on the show. Check, check that random seed. <laughs> yeah. But you know, for, for 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 as amazing as as that is, and I I really love to you know live in an age where I where I can use that for for games. Those models are not evoking any strong emotional reaction from my side. I played the game in Tabletop Simulator with a friend that I used to play, uh, you know, before the Ninth Age, and um, I scanned for this private game, so, you know, there's no copyright uh, problem there, some of the old models that we painted. And that thing for him was like, oh my god, these are, these are the models that, that we used to paint as, as kids, and now I'm seeing them on my screen. He, you know, uh, put the uh, the image on the on the projector and on on a wall, and he was seeing this this huge model that he knew very well because we used to play with that thing. And he was like, "Oh my god, this is! Can you play with this model with other people?" And I was like, "Yeah, I have to strike a deal with the miniature company to make sure that it's kosher from the, the point of view of yeah. intellectual property. I won't do that unless I strike uh, deals with all the companies." But he was like, my God, this is, this is the old thing, but it's comfortable. We, we don't have to, you know, meet in, in a garage of some other friends. I can do this from home. I can do it in, in, in a one hour time space. And it still looks like the thing that we used to do. And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, why, why don't you, why don't you take a video of the, uh, of, of the tower that, that I know you have on your shelf? And then I can I can digitize that and I can put that into the game. And it was like amazing. It's like let's do that. And it was like, but can you then share my tower and my models with other people? And I know that other people all over the world are playing their games with my miniatures. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna make a YouTube video about that. I'm gonna mention you as the guy who made the tower. And uh, you know, uh, if somebody is responsive to this type of 
um, personal engagement, into knowing that other people are having fun with something that you've done and that are appreciating your work, this can be a huge catalyst. So Essence of War played online is something that I see as being, um, you know, captivating to a wide range of different people. And uh, I think that sometimes when we are on the 9th page forum, we essentially see the pro players, the advanced people, or the people who like to, um, you know, work on their hobby um, at home and, and paint beautiful miniatures. And, and I think that, you know, if you paint beautiful miniatures, why don't we put that in a video game so that we can have an international tournament online and the pro players can play with your beautiful models and we bring the community together like this? So we have to use all these things to, uh, to our advantage. Mm. I think that's kind of a key point that this kind of project and the initiative behind it, it can't really do any wrong. Because what's the worst case that happens? You know, you get players who want to play the simplified Essence of War rather than playing the full version. Like I know that um, obviously Rob's a big success story for you guys and uh, Rick as well. Um, yeah. He's become more active on the forum recently. Um, and he's kind of dabbling his, his his feet in the full game, but like if they want you to keep on just playing Essence of War, then that's that's cool and like that's that's a success story in of itself. So if you get players out of this who then want to go on and play the full version, then that's fantastic. But otherwise, there's not, uh, you know, it's not you know a bad thing that players want to stay and keep on playing Essence of War. Yeah. So you know it's it's interesting this, this is a this is a, a podcast so uh you know the, the audience is not going to be able to see this but i shared with you on the platform that we're using for recording the show an image of what it is that i meant uh in terms of like you know having your own miniatures being put into the game and you can play uh you know you can paint your your miniatures and uh you know, you maybe take uh, half a dozen of beautiful shield wolf goblins and then one nice Avatars of War orc shaman and then you just copy paste the hell out of them. And you can have a horde, I think that in this picture there's something like 250 goblins that have been <laughs> painted by Remy. Oh, that's like, uh, it's, it's cool. stuff okay. that he has done. So this is what the next online gaming uh scenario could uh, could be looking yeah. at but sorry for the audience you don't get to see what we are sharing we can fire that up on twitter later on yeah michael <laughs> this will suit you you want to go for painted empire you run a whole painted <laughs> empire list you want to branch out and get like a wee jamie in the back room who can just you know videotape the actual recording of the podcast and put up these images for people to follow live when are you guys going to branch out Wee oh. Jamie? What the fuck is a wee Jamie? Oh my god, are you, are you that old? You don't, you don't know the Joe Rogan podcast? Jeez. <laughs> I think Joe yeah. Rogan's been around longer than I've been alive. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of an episode of Star Trek where um, Will Riker wakes up because Paul looks like Will Riker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's having a coma all that time. Who's Jamie? Who's Joe Rogan? Who's <laughs> <laughs> Wait, guys, is it normal that we're only mentioning Star Trek for the first time two hours in the show with Michael there? It's like, yeah, normally... That is, that is unusual. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I um, I was updating one of my, my profiles for, like, Tinder or something, and I said, <laughs> I um, I reference Deep Show on a daily basis, which is true. But then I read the 
you know what? I actually wrecked Star Trek a lot more. Usually the planes. You know what? Um, this reminds me of an episode of Star Trek. Try trivia for our listeners. Um, how, and how is the Tinder hunt going after that? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to say it. And by not say it, you've already said it. Uh, no. no, we'll do we'll do the extended cut and I'll, I'll crackle, crackle, and cold. Michael's been modest. Michael's been modest. <laughs> Turns out everyone loves Star Trek, especially baldy men like Patrick Stewart. Yeah, so I mean, Michael, have you got anything to add about Essence of War before we, we talk about the kind of broader topic here? So the broad, yeah, the broader topic is like getting people into night, and so like I did have like something that I wanted to mention. It kind of gets into stuff that we've spoken about off the podcast, right, and when we're hobby hanging and whatever, whereby it's like you often put in the effort to, you know, showcase the game at events. So, for instance, mm-hmm. Carnage is called which is like a big war games show, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, one puts in the effort here and often in for little to no returns. And so, you know, one does then question, like, okay, what are we like doing? And I think, like, in <laughs> clubs and stuff, it's it's an idea, I think, to kind of just, like, to know in some capacity the essence of war is there. I, I think if you view it as a resource, you can also see what, what the use of it is, rather than having the mindset, like, oh, I play fantasy battles, I don't play essence of war. And rather, like, I play fantasy battles, but here's the need to maybe show the game to somebody. So I'm going to offer them the smaller version of the game. And people who are coming from 8th might not all need that, right? And that's fair. Like, they will just want to jump in to the fantasy battle versions. But again, for people in Azure St. Andrews, like, that is going to become the more, like, encountered situation of people who are just totally new, right? It's like, I think just having it there and people know it's there. People in the club who are already playing fantasy battles know it's there and can actually use it. I think that's an important thing. Which I think segues quite nicely into the broader topic of um, just sharing the game in general and whether it is folly, I guess, to just try and... Like, to what extent it is folly to kind of be really going out your way to kind of be like a modern-day nerd like Mormon or something, right? <laughs> Uh, hello, I'd like to talk to you about uh, <laughs> anything that I mean, I think like when uh, you were saying there, Francesco, about it, it sometimes feels like an uphill struggle when you're doing all this because you put in so much time and effort uh, to, you know, to promote this and to get this, you know, window into the system which we all love and we all want other people to get involved in, and it, you just feel like you get no return. And like Paul and I and, and Michael and the rest of the Wildlands have had multiple chats about this because we used to be very um active in promotion and things like that and um you know our, our big kind of event of the year was carnage which we've done for a couple of years where we would put on a big game and you know we have a nice display and we try and get people to have a go at the game and have a chat with us and stuff like that and we'd always get lots of people come over and having a chat and maybe you know having a little go and things like that but it, we, that never transferred into having people actually coming down the club on a regular basis yeah. And like Michael says, we've had people over the years where who they've, they've come and they've obviously shown an interest in the system and maybe, you know, come down to one meeting or whatever, but then just never picked it up. And so that can be quite demoralising. I hope it's not just us. Um, but I think it's a very human thing to feel, right? Because it's not just that you're being open to people coming along, right? It's the fact that you're going to these events to showcase it. Yeah. But, but, you know what I mean? So it's so you are going out of your way 
for no return. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, I mean, the flip side of that is that, because we were even talking, like, this year before, or last year, sorry, before COVID kicked in, we were like, how should we format Carnade, and is Carnade actually worth all the effort that we have to... Well, that's the thing, right? There's already yeah. cracks in that regard where, I mean, I, I, I wasn't sure if I said I was going to go to it, but I do remember that even, you know, you were saying that, I mean, is there a point really to... Because it, it's such a big thing, right? I mean, it's like the whole day, but then even the prep up to it, you know, you've got like Martin, for example, building that castle that he done before, right? Yeah, yeah I went to lock him in his flat for like a good 12 months from the pump <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, but the, the flip side of that is that in, over the last, you know, six months, uh, we've done none of the promotion. I mean, we obviously still do the podcast, and we, we still try and be visible on, on the forum, and Michael's been helping that, and, you know, on Twitter and things like that. But, um, over the last, what, couple of months, we've had three new people join the club. Mm-hmm. And that's been at the expense of nothing. So is it a question of, like, can you lead the horse to war? Yeah. Or do you just have to, you know, keep on doing what we're doing and, and hope that we're accessible enough to, you know, that audience? I don't want to take away from tea, but the other, the other thing I would just add is, um, like, I, I, it's kind of funny. It's, it's more observationally, right, where it's like, it is very easy to appear like a, like a, a Warhammer or like miniature wargaming Mormon, right? Like it's very easy to seem like you're, whether deliberately or not, trying to proselytize people. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you should, oh yeah, your game sounds great. Yeah, okay, oh, it's cool, it's cool. I wanted to try it, but I never got the chance. But yeah, if you want to play our game, like, mm. you know, it's just the same as like, almost like a religious anthem. But again, I, I just kind of offer that observation because one also doesn't want to seem like that, right? You also want things to kind of, like, arrive naturally. So to kind of bring it back to what you were postulating there, Andrew, I would kind of say, like, again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about having a sense of war as a resource, where it's, like, when these things arise, you can know what, like, what's there and what resources you have and what you can offer to And there's a lot of, like, related interesting aspects like even p touched upon it earlier and maybe we can get into that after we hear from them on your initial points there andrew is like to what extent is maybe like ranking flank like just not the flavor of today mm. well, like every board every like miniature working company for the, well, mm-hmm. for the most part seems to focus on quick games seems to focus yeah. on skirmish and so is is it generally now the case that the ranking flank is a bit like Anachronistic. This is something that I wonder about, but I'll I'll hand over to Ian here. No, these these are all very very interesting points. I completely agree that we have to develop a toolkit, and then uh, whoever comes to us or whoever we go to that could be interested in jumping into the universe can then be talked to through that specific tool from the kit. So you know, if you are already a uh, a veteran player, then you can do the, uh, uh, then you can jump directly into fantasy battles. If you are more into the uh, slow learning, then there's Essence of War for you. Uh, if you never played uh, this type of games, then there's the uh, the super simplified introductory sets that's now in in production. But also, if you think that the mass rank and file is not the flavor of the day, we need a different product for that. We need more emphasis on a campaign level uh, kind of thing, on a storytelling. You know, the the, the point is that uh, lots of people may be uh, oriented towards a more um, skirmish type of game, but a skirmish type of game 
essentially it's faster, it's simpler, and it uh, flows more easily into a um, um, into a narrative superstructure. So let's give people a narrative superstructure. Let's give them a campaign that they can uh, jump into. And uh, I, I would say that we have the first problem of you know developing the toolkit so that we can. Uh, uh, that we can, uh, um, you know, be relatable to a different number of people without going into the proselytism bit, which, as uh, you know, as Michael says, gives a big uh, cringe factor. At the same time, the best way not to do this is to just, uh, you know, play your game. And uh, you, you being awesome in your corner with your miniature and your storytelling and uh, you, know, you flipping through pages, and then people can see that that is interesting without having actively to um you know go to them so you you lead by the example of the uh, the beauty of the game that you're playing but all of this i think it can only be truly understood if we have clear targets in terms of expansion outreach and and growth and the point for me is that being somebody who's on the nine page team and being somebody who has a company that's trying you know to make miniatures and, and starter sets the huge problem is coming up with uh, real tangible um, targets for outreach. So what what do we exactly mean when we say how do we bring more people into the game? Does it mean that, for example, in the in the Scotland region, we want to have two clubs where uh, people are playing the ninth age on top of the ones that are already there? Does it mean that we want to increase the uh, current number of people who are playing the ninth age to that thing does it mean that we want to bring this number of people to the forum does it mean that we want to achieve this number of views on uh, on youtube uh, the facebook group should be uh, this large because these are all very different objectives and and i think that we have to know what it is exactly that we're trying to do so that we can strategize to get to them and for example one way of being a tiny little bit more concrete about all this just blah 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 is to think of who are our partners in doing this so for example do we want stores to push the ninth age do we want stores to see the ninth age as a as a viable thing to have uh, to offer to their uh, uh, to their audiences i mean now covid times maybe not the best moment to ask this question okay so what about miniature companies do we want miniature companies to be crazy about how amazing the Ninth Age is and have dedicated models? Because if we decide that miniature companies are an important ally for this specific outreach goal that we have set, which we haven't, but you know, that's the point, that's the reason why we should be talking about which are the goals that we want to reach. If we think that miniature companies can help us, then it means that we have to make them our partners. Mm. And currently, what we are giving as Ninth Age to miniature companies is the possibility of posting news in, in the feed and having a thread for interacting with the community. And I'm like, guys, no, we could be doing so much more. We can organize a virtual tournament with uh, 200 people from all over the world we are playing this in a 3D environment and we are having miniature companies putting the miniatures inside this game. But if we want to do that, 
we need to have painters who take pictures of the miniatures and then they ship it to the person who's organizing the 3D tournament so that we can give a miniature companies a reason for backing the Ninth Age. Because they will know there's 200 people all over the world that are playing with my models. And so this is good for me as a miniature company that everybody sees these models and says, wow, it's amazing. I say, yeah, go buy it from the store. And so we can choose the partners if we know the goals. But if we don't know the goals, if we don't, you know, take a, take a moment to, um, to think about what it is that we want to achieve. Do we want new players to come in? Do we want people who are not, uh, war game players to come in? Do we want people who are war gamers from other systems to come in? Until we have a, a map of where it is that we want to go. I think it's going to be crazy difficult to make an event like Caronad uh, worth it. Because, you know, we, we don't really know what we're trying to achieve there. Is it, a, is it more people in the club? Is it more people on the forum? And, uh, and so on and so forth. That would be really cool if that was the thing. If that was like an online event. I think that's a really cool idea. So, you know, I've, I've been seeing your submissions to the, uh, to the, um, um, painting league. That's, that's why I was, uh, I don't want to say that I was stalking you, but you know, I saw the 10 skeletons and I've seen the, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and I was like, Oh wow, this is interesting. All it takes is for you to put this miniature on top of a, of a lazy Susan of a spinning plate and then uh, put a, put your smartphone in front of it. And just record the video of a couple of rotations of the miniature. Then you send me the video, and I do with it what you saw in the uh, in the attachment from the uh, goblins that Remy has painted from from Shield Wolf. And that thing is something that I can ask my friends in the Ninth Age community to do. And that's why Remy, um, you know, Rick, uh, he has been sending me this video so that I can that I can scan them. And when I show these things to Shield Wolf. Uh, me and show they go like wow amazing that's that's crazy I, I can have my miniatures painted by one guy from your community into the uh thing and, and i'm like yes and, and they they like it and when they say that they like it then i raise my hand so this is a spoiler preview i haven't talked about this with anybody yet so yes <gasps> mgr is, is gonna have a, a preview on this there's gonna be a contest Send us your pictures of beautiful miniatures painted that you have in your collection from Shield Wolf. And the, the ones that we vote as being the, uh, the nicest, Shield Wolf is going to send some miniatures to the person who won. Uh, Martin's all over that. He's got, he's got some nicely painted fucking Shield Wolf stuff. Right? And we should be doing this because the community loves Painting models and showing the beautiful work that they've done. The, commu- the the miniature companies are happy in seeing that the community is enjoying the sculpting and, and casting work, and we can use all of this to reinject into a 3D video game that then we can use for worldwide events. And so the companies are going to be much happier. The community is going to be much happier. The ones who paint are going to be happy because they see the miniatures used, and the people who are playing the game in a 3D environment, uh, they're gonna enjoy, like, you know, if, when you're playing UB, UB is amazing. It's very practical, it's very convenient, you have line of sight all over the place. But if you could just turn the camera and then zoom in and then look at the miniatures 
and notice that it's the miniature that your friends have, have painted, it's all the more amazing. And by the way, you take screenshots and you make a YouTube video battle report. Yeah. And people who don't play the ninth age, they see this thing and say, wow, it's like, look, this is nice. What video game is that? It's just the independent, uh, community driven projects that's finding an intersection between all of these different actors that want to push this type of game. And I think it's going to be amazing. You can make background story videos with screenshots coming from a video game, for example. So, you know, if people are more into background and fluff, you can give them more support for doing that type of, of, uh, ninth age experience. But all of this, requires people buying uh, a lazy Susan with uh, a couple of uh, AAA batteries, putting the miniature on top of the thing, uh, putting a, a black uh, sheet behind it so that you know the lighting is, is uniform, taking a video and then uploading the video. And that takes 15 minutes of your life. And I'm not in the position of asking anybody to give me 15 minutes of their lives. But if people don't start doing that, then what can I do about that? Yeah. I want to do that just to buy a Lazy Susan. So I can see <laughs> a Lazy Susan. I never knew that's what they were called. That's your side piece. <laughs> what's, what's the proper Scottish English name, British name for that? I think that's very American. Spinning plate? Whatever. A Lazy Susan. What would be the Scottish equivalent of a Lazy Susan? <laughs> <laughs> And she's a lazy cow. <laughs> That's a really cool. That's like a really cool idea. I would say though, for for something like that, presumably you kind of want to, you kind of want people to submit models that aren't GW, right? Yes, and I would want people to submit models that are from the supporting company that's supporting us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like we've we've set up a few events in our time, and fuck me, like we can con a lot of shit out of these companies just by saying setting up a tournament yeah. uh, we'd like some prizes can you send us anything if you're yeah. able to and most of them have sent us stuff like we've been surprised with the amount of stuff that we can get out of companies so yeah. you know if something like that was set as you say the, the potential market that mm-hmm. they would have access to like as a project that sounds really fucking cool and I if I was just thinking of it like selfishly like I think you'd have a real good shot of trying to get stuff out of companies. If that was your only motivation for doing that as a painter, I yeah. think th- that is really, really cool. Yeah. Like, that's a really nice idea. I really like that. I'm going to have you to buy like... a Lazy Susan. I'm going to make one. <laughs> I need a record. I need a record player. I think I think we have one guy in the community who's also on the uh, on the um, quick starter team, and he made one with an Arduino board, and like you know he's controlling the degree <laughs> of spinning. Amazing! So it, you know it, it is fun, but at the same time we have commissioned painters in the community. Like you know if you are a commissioned painter, instead of posting pictures of things. Just put a model in the video game that everybody's using, and everybody's gonna see when they hover on the mouse, when they click on the miniature, they're gonna see your name. And uh, you know, maybe there's gonna be a, a link that sends to your shop. It's gonna be amazing for the painter, commission painter. It's gonna be amazing for the regular uh, hobby guy, for the miniature company, for the player, and for the people who just watch videos on YouTube. We just have to get this rolling, and we just have to. You know, I have people submitting things, and Remy has just sent me 
you know, a couple dozen videos of these beautiful green base uh, models. Yes, this very 90s aesthetic in, in dealing <laughs> so with the bases. Actually, loves about uh, golden green, don't you? <laughs> right? <laughs> no comment. <clears throat> and so, for some reason, I'm sorry, Remy, if you're listening to this, as you can see from, from the, the various uh, screenshots of the game, I have removed the bases because they have to be transparent. So I didn't do that because they were green. I don't have anything uh, against that. <coughs> sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, was just, it was just for the video game adaptation. But the point is that, you know, as, as soon as we have the community thinking, oh, it takes 15 minutes of my time, but this can snowball into something great for the, for the nine Age as a whole, then, um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of everybody from the community doing that little something that can snowball into, uh, into the Ninth Age Avalanche. I take a moment to commend all the work that you're doing, um, Francesco, because there's a huge amount of work that you've done. Yeah. And a lot of selfless work there as well, promoting the game that we, we all love. So a massive congratulations to you. And I know it sometimes does feel like a bit of a uphill struggle, but you're, you're fighting the good fight. Yeah, cheers, guys. Does the lazy Susan need to be black? Because I can get one for nine quid from the range when it's bamboo. Absolutely, get get it. It's gonna be even better <laughs> because there's gonna be some um, you know some irregularities on the surface. That's gonna help the uh, photo scanning algorithm work nice. It's give it gives more reference points. So okay. get the one. And worst case scenario, I suppose that you have a. That you have a can of black primer anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I buy it from the range, I can be like, oh, look, I bought this for the house as like a, a, a serving dish for when people come ah, over. And I then I can, just, I can just steal it for taking pictures <laughs> of minis. Why is a serving dish sprayed black for? <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it mechanized? Does it, does it have like, you know, the, the battery that makes it rotate on, it, on its own? No, but I can, I can hook something up. I can get some fishing line on that and just slowly right. pull it. Nice. It's going to be therapeutic when you are recording a video and <laughs> you're like steadily pulling the fishing line. You're going to feel awesome for the two minutes for the yeah. complete rotation. You're going to love it. <laughs> Meditation. Nice. Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. You're just going to be down the stairs pulling the fishing line and Laura's going to come home from a hard fucking day of graft and you're like, look at this, Laura, that's better. I'll play up the top of That's not... Too dissimilar oh, from my oh, yeah. working week anyway, so it's that yeah. on track. No, but that's cool. I'm 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 definitely interested. I've got a few things painted that aren't GWs, so I can. I oh, can you've spent your hobby allowance for this month, mate, and the next one. So I don't know where you're going. No, to no, go. this is this is all pre-painted. This is all stuff I've got ready to go. I've got some mirror right. stuff. I've got some stuff from board games. I've got bits and bobs there. I've got from ETC. I can I can film those. ETC, that's too soon, mate. There's people listening who've just crawled into the fetal position. <laughs> what we say as well about your your point about um like whether there's an audience, I think there's definitely an audience for this this game. Like if you look at things like well, if you look at stuff like the Total War games, uh, games like Stellaris, and even like board games like Twilight Imperium, people are willing to invest in games that take you know a long time. And they're willing to invest in these uh, visually these games where it's very much rank and file mm-hmm. uh, battle simulation. So I think there's definitely an audience there. It's just about reaching them. And I think your idea there is a fantastic one, and that's definitely something that we should be looking yeah. at. We need we need to get on that. We need to get 
the fucking executive board. We need them to answer. We need them to listen to the little guy, who's also the big guy, and get this forward. I'm serious. You're right. I mean, that's, that's like everybody wins. To be honest, yeah. though, like if, if you reached out to all these companies, like if you got, if you managed to get enough mm-hmm. stuff from the community mm-hmm. painted and submitted for yeah. even two full armies, yeah. surely even that would be enough to really like kickstart it. And like, you, I don't think you'd even need like permission from anyone to do it. Like, if you had all these companies coming to you and people submitting mm-hmm. you what you needed to do it, you could just do it. And yeah. the exec board are just going to be like, cool. Like, we're, they're not going to stand in the way of that. Like, people like you that just make shit happen. Like, if you've just got mm-hmm. an idea and you run with it and it's successful, then like, I don't mm-hmm. think you need to worry about other people in the project because they're not going to get in your way. And yeah. their interest is there. Yeah, no, I, I agree that it is not needed to, you know, having them sign off the project. So luckily we have the license that we have in place now for the ninth age leaves me the, uh, the wiggle room for doing this type of initiatives. At the same time, they could do something in favor of it. You know, it's like there could be a push. So for example, uh, you might have noticed that sometimes on the forums I get grumpy because I, uh, I, <laughs> I feel that there's, um, uh, that there's a, a bit of focus on uh, getting your own stuff done and like, you know, using the 9th community to do your things. And <clears throat> I can understand that, especially in the, uh, in the community engagement team. That's understandable. Everybody has their channel and, uh, you know, everybody has their podcast and, uh, you know, they're all trying to, uh, further their own cause. And, and, you know, since we're talking about, uh, you know, the, since we are, we have uh, Scotland in the, prominently in mind. There's this invisible hands type of thing. I do my channel, I do my thing, and if I do my thing well enough, then the ninth age is going to benefit from it, uh, trickling down from the uh, you know the amazing work that I do, and the ninth age is just going to give me a collector uh, of um, uh, you know of audience and of information that I can pass down to the community. Well, that is definitely one way of doing things. You have your own channel, you do your own things, you get the pre-releases, you make the nice spoiler video or podcast, and then the community benefits from it. Cool. At the same time, without becoming, you know, without going too deeply into uh, economical politics, it would be nice to have some coordination. It would be nice to have somebody that says, guys, I know that this is not the sexiest thing that you can do, but this would be nice as a, a concerted type of operation. If we all, if we all put a video in where we are showing the miniature companies that they can benefit from t- teaming up with us. And if you in the painting, uh, sub part of the community, then you put some work into, like, you know, spending 15 minutes to make a video of a model so that it can be put into video in. And then you as a battle reporter, then you make a video using this system. Then we can achieve great things. And so I think that the problem is not really the executive boards. It's more like everybody in the, uh, in the community that should be mobilized. And if the executive board wanted to take a role into encouraging this type of initiative, that would be amazing. But if that doesn't happen, that's not the main problem. The main problem is that the people on staff and in the community could see the advantage of doing something that's beyond their immediate pleasure of, you know, furthering their own channel. 
And this is why, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the different teams that are, um, fostering engagement of the, of the community, there's people, there's YouTubers like the, uh, the proxy table gaming guys who are always looking out for collaborations and what can be done that can interest the tournament goers and what can be done that interest the casual players and what can be done that interests the, uh, uh, you know, the hobby oriented person. So they're covering the, the UK masters. They are making uh, bat reps where they explain things at a very basic level for the casual player. They have one new head on their channel that's doing more of painting tutorials and that kind of stuff. And I find that that's amazing because they are not only serving their own channel, but they're talking to the community. They're doing what the community should have the pleasure of being of seeing on YouTube, for example. And this type of self selfless self. Less, less, selfness, less. There you go. Ge- generosity. <laughs> this type of generosity with their own time, I, I think it's amazing. They're putting in a, a huge amount of their time to do things that they think that the community will enjoy. And uh, I, I think it's gold. If, if more people were in, into the mindset of the uh, proxy table gaming dudes, I think that the ninth age could explode, really explode. Yeah. I mean, if I can just chime in to cover my own back. Um, anyone from the board, I know Grimble, Banhammer, <laughs> um, I did not try to throw the executive board through the dirt as he was suggesting I said. Uh, I was just, I didn't even say anything could be misconstrued that way, just come on back. Um, the only thing I would offer there is, though, like, on the other hand, like, I don't think it's necessarily, like, I mean, granted to you, it seems obvious. Oh, like, we should obviously be doing this and whatever. Like, but I also get that, like, people are in different mindsets. People have different priorities. And mm-hmm. call this selfish. I would say it's just an immediate habituation where it's like, you know, they come to the project, they engage with the games, engage with them on this level. And, you know, I can't blame them for not having that kind of stuff in their mind. But um, this is the, like, the great and the bad of the project in that it is completely volunteer driven. And I know that gets thrown about on the, on the form a little bit. It, I mean, it's true. People are giving up their, their time and their leisure time to do this. And some people give up a horrendous amount of their personal time yeah. uh, and invest it in the project. And it, there is like a conflict there of people should be doing this willingly and yeah. they should be, you know, they should be enjoying it. They should be they do it because they want to because they're not getting paid for it. And the only currency they're getting in return is enjoyment. However, I do agree uh, with Francesco in that especially in its community engagement. And I, I'm not singling out the community engagement team there. I just think that in terms of engaging the audience, there there is a lacking of coordination and outreach there. And I think that's just simply because things like the executive board, and again, it's easy to point fingers at the exec board and say, you know, they're the villains that don't understand and they're so removed, blah, blah, blah. But they're not. I mean, and I didn't say that. If you're <laughs> well, Grimbold's going to be yeah. a nice guest, so an official statement from him. When you can oh, shit. Oh, shit. I, I, I just got a message from Grimbold. Oh. Um, but it's just that they, they've got so little time yes. that they can invest, invest sorry, in things apart from, you know, the nitty-gritty of how do you get this game going and, you know, working on LEDs and stuff like that. And again, it's easy to sit and, you know, sit on the couch on your phone scrolling through the form again and go, you know, you're not doing enough, blah, 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 blah. But like, it's, it's hard and yeah, it's a difficult trade-off. 
Yeah, no, they definitely have a, a huge amount of work going. I, I've talked to uh, to um, Jan Willem to uh, Blondie uh, a couple of times, and the sheer amount of things that he was doing last year for the project, like it's yeah. crazy, it's mental, and like you know, with a family, with a job, it's it's it's, uh, it's incredible work. And so that that's why I was thinking, you know, to circle back to the um, to the topic of what are the objectives and how do we measure successful uh, outreach, for example, Caronade and, and everything else. The point is that uh, we cannot expect the structure of the project to um, to give us guidelines for work to be done yeah. because this is not how the project works. And so I think that the uh, what we can do is to really foster engagement because people want to do this and they see the... Uh, they see the value of the um, they see the value of the um, of the, the the experience itself, and um, what I what I mean is that, for example, if we um, if we go on a very much local scale, uh, then probably there's more possibilities for engagement going on there because of the smallness of the, because of the small size of the operation so for example i've been talking to uh, to michael um, in in the last two weeks as as he said about this miniature company from um what is it from um angus uh, east of scotland oh, it's in, um, what's his name uh that's not, is, it, is it iron no i'm gonna go is Refn? Uh, I think uh, I'm. Uh, Play the royalty free music. I'm, I'm getting the wrong keywords. I'm going to get it because we need to get this guy a shout. If you're thinking of engagement at a at a local scale, as like let, let's put it in the national scale, that there is something that we as the ninth age could do. There's there's a small producer, indie producer from uh, uh, from a given country. There's a group of people playing in clubs in that country. There's people who like to paint models. And, you know, we could have one segment that says, let's make this tiny company, which is not on the big radar yet, become visible thanks to the community of the Ninth Age. And if that works, it's like people are going to be engaged because they are part of this initiative, which they like. Because they like the local, the uh, you know, the indie component of the operation, and it's, you know, it's uh, it's um, uh, the painting job, and plus there's the uh, the the supporting the small um, the small company aspect, and then there's the uh, let's have a get together and painting sessions, and all of these things can coalesce around a, a single segment of action, and I think that you can organize things. In that respect, in in that domain, you can say, guys, let's do this. Otherwise, I didn't want to sound, you know, dismissive of the amount of work that people put in the uh, in in one team or or in a different team. But it's the um, the idea that we are not reaching goals and that we are going to caronade or to spiel and we're not having the success that we were looking for. Sometimes comes from not having had a discussion of what the objectives are. Yeah, I agree. And part of that, I think, is that people just need to take initiative. Mm. There needs to be there needs to be more coordination, but it needs to be a bit more initiative taken as well. Um, and that's hard as well because if you're you know you're giving up your free time to do something that isn't directly the, the you know the, the hobby that you're interested in, mm. so then it's hard then to say you know I'm going to go out my way to do you know X Y or Z. But there does need to be a little bit more about that uh, of that going on, and even things like the companies. If if you're a company and 
you want to promote a ninth age model line, then get in touch with, you know, people like us and, and, and other content producers because we will happily promote stuff like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, there, there maybe just needs to be a bit more, but like everyone can do a bit more, right? <laughs> yeah, just send your free samples. We will review the we'll shit take them out off of it. Yeah. <laughs> we will paint them and we will send them to. I'll take the whole stack. What? What? <laughs> Yeah, we the one end up in the middle next door. Ah, shit. We have an update on um, Paul's Lazy Susan. Um, we actually need to call Laura because I think we've had a case of identity theft. Do you want to come clean? <laughs> well, I just bought one. What's the big deal? Yeah, whose account? You cheeky snake. <laughs> her Amazon Man, account. She signed up for. She signed up to Amazon, so it's under her name. Yeah. What? What a snake? I mean, this guy's married. This guy's still married. I mean, what? It's actually called fraud in a court. <laughs> You're here from my lawyer. <laughs> Does anyone have anything they want to raise about this kind of general point about getting people into the hobby and what we can do before we wrap up? Uh, I would just say I think generally we've kind of said this in the past. Like, if we ever do any kind of like expo? Yeah, if we ever do anything like that in the future, then one of the things we had talked about in the past is doing like smaller scale games where you mm-hmm. basically set up to play like one or two turns. Yeah. If that. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past we've always erred on the side of, well, maybe we should just go for the big table and we'll make it a big spectacle and that will draw mm-hmm. people in and then that's how we can actually get them to ask us about what the game system is. Yeah. But I think because there's just so much competition just now, like there are so many game systems and there's always more coming out and with things like board games becoming more popular, mm-hmm. I think you just need to actually give people a taste of playing a game. Yeah, I would totally agree. That's actually better. So I think, kind of like what you were saying about developing a tool set, I think something like that would be really good where mm. you, you take a system like Essence of War, you just turn up with a couple of very small armies and you say, right, are you interested in playing? And you really just try and get people to Play, like ask questions and play with the models and and roll some dice and then you know you can say like oh all this is free online blah 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 but I think yeah. something that that maybe in the future would be a little bit more productive. Yeah, it kind of goes back to that that saying where it's like um, if you tell me I'll forget but if you show me I'll remember. I mean I'm picturing mm-hmm. it properly, but when somebody actually plays it, they're like right I played that game because if, if somebody's if Joe Joe blogs as an expo. And he's coming up and he's just asking questions and just looking. He's doing that at every other stall. Right? And then, you know, there's, I mean, you can't blame him for, like, the ninth age just gets lost with all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I, I do think that engagement is key for somebody coming, going away and then having it in mind. Is the reason mm-hmm. that you can't remember that saying is because someone told you they didn't show you. <laughs> exactly. That was actually really fucking well done, man. That, that, I didn't laugh. But inside, I'm like, you know what? That is witty. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. sounds witty when someone explains it back to you. <laughs> no, just no. That was a good quip. That was like a, you know, that's that. You're so right, honestly. You know, in 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 terms of of conventions, um, there's um, I think that, that there's been some experience that we land as as the ninth age, um. Uh, in uh, in the past, I don't I don't know if now these things that I'm putting into the uh, into the chat are going to become visible at least to you guys. But um, so, for example, when we went to uh, to the Spiel convention, we had a, a tiny booth 
but in this tiny booth we managed to fit two six by four tables and on one table you have this picture there's this little joe and blonde beer that were getting ready to play a massive i don't know uh, I think the Blombier was showing his 8,000 point Osklanders army, something like that. <laughs> and that, that was the, the big, large thing that, like, you know, if you're going for the mass thing, you, you're going to see that, um, you know, you can, you can have, uh, the meaningful large scale game experience. And then on the other table, six by four, it was divided in two halves. One was for Essence of War, back in the days, still the, the quick starter. And the other half was, a uh, an arena that Little Joe made, this, this amazing arena piece, uh, where you would only play with the two uh, with the two miniatures and with the super basic version of the game. And so whoever came to that booth, and that booth was tiny, was like three meters times two meters, was as, as small as it could get. The tiniest room in, in, in uh, the tiniest type of booth in Spiel, because that's still quite expensive when you have 200,000 people coming to the show, even six square meters, they, yeah. they cost you, you know, an arm and an arm. But, uh, the point is that in that tiny space, we had the, the 6,000 points battle, the essence of war battle, and the one miniature versus one miniature version of the game. And people, you know, would come to the booth and they would, um, they would tune into one or the other. So there's definitely things that we can do to appeal to the maximum number of people with the minimum amount of resources. It's just, you know, we have to, um, we have to have these tools and be able to, um, share them. I, think. I did not know Little Joe looked like that. He's not so little after all. He actually looks like a really cool dude. Holy shit. He, he is one of the uh, massively cool people in the ninth age. Blonde beer is on, is on the, on, on the left. On the on the big table. Um, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, baby. Um, and actually, Johan is in the blue shirt. He mentioned me in a video and said I have a. Uh, next we have a, a Mick TikTok. Um, strange nickname. Oh. Little Joe actually looks like Michael in ten more years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does. I still I still haven't seen Michael. That's crazy. Oh, he hasn't played yeah. with his webcam on. I'm not gonna gain that height. Holy shit! No, he looks like a monk. I really dig that. How little is little Joe? He's not little at all. Look at those. Look at those <laughs> girls. He's up in the second. I mean, he looks little because he's next to Blondebeard, but Blondebeard's a fucking mountain. He makes yeah. me look little. No, he uh, little Joe is still towering over these three girls in the uh, in the shot. Yeah. No, guys, sorry, we need to watch our language. And um, by towering over <laughs> three girls, we mean. <laughs> Is um, dwarfs, and I hope they're playing with dwarves because that would be fitting. Um, I wonder what they're saying. She's pointing to something. I don't know what the fuck it is. Like, yeah, so, I know. Goes into him and like feels like too damaged. And he's like, yeah. What what one's little Jordan? Is he German? He's uh, from the Netherlands, from the, um, uh, the Netherlands? close to the border. Cool looking dudes. I fucking hate that. You know, so like you go to Scandinavia, you go to the Netherlands, everyone looks great. Do you know what I mean? You just stole up with like a big nose and just bad fucking Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> mate, can you help me find the toilet? I, I knew that I shouldn't have been sharing pictures. I mean, in this picture, for, for everybody who's listening, in this picture, there's, a, there's, there's an amazing arena that, that Little Joe built 
and each of those um, uh, each of those bricks that you see in the arena have been cut and glued and painted by hand. There's like three hundred of those, and you know, and and Michael is is looking at little Joe's nose or the uh, the Eastern girl glasses. Like there's an amazing feat of hobby making there, and like you know. Michael is not even registering that. I, I, am. I didn't think that was a little Joe because he's not little, and I'm wondering what is the little description. <laughs> we need to have a word with Martin because if each of those blocks was fucking handmade. Yeah, and good Martin even reached that fucking table. Martin was using fucking Pringle tubs as the basis for his towers. Martin, no, I mean, <laughs> we, need, we need to have strong words here about how much commitment he's putting into this fucking. No, I'm, I mean, if, if we copy and pasted him into that picture, would he reach the table? <laughs> I think this picture tells like a very true lesson that if you want to get geeky guys into playing any war game, the trick is to get a bunch of girls to come over to the table and and look at it. If you wanted to be like sleazy and like skeptical, you think is that guy checking out the game or is he checking out the girls? <laughs> Judging by the guy, he's checking out the game. He's not even interested in the three girls who are standing at that table. And that's why they flock to him, you know, because he's above <laughs> this petty dynamics. He doesn't need to be scheming about it at all. Just doing his thing and just magnetizing the, the environment. That's little Joe, guys. Yep. yep. Amazing. Well, no, this isn't uh, amazing radio. <laughs> so sorry for not respecting the medium. Sorry. Well, Andrew will do is he'll add an annotation and be like, um, now for this next segment, you will turn to figure one point one in your binders. And it's like, oh, okay, that's that's what you mean by little Joe, that guy, alright. <laughs> no, that looks great. Holy shit, I'm gonna hit him up, a little Joe. Um, that's a fucking great piece of scenery, Andrew. You could get some inspiration there for your. Oh, yeah. Your year the terrain. Your terrain twenty twenty two. Stand by. I want individual <laughs> blocks. I want I want three hundred individual blocks and I want a name on each block. One for each of the girls who stopped at the stand when he was showing <laughs> off the game. Right, on that note, we better uh, wrap up before someone gets allegations made against them. Uh, <laughs> it's not gonna be little Joe anyway. No, it's definitely gonna be you. Wait, uh, what the fuck older? <laughs> All <laughs> using Laura's card. I mean, that's pretty sus. <laughs> he has a point there, to be fair. Um, so, first and foremost, thank you so much, uh, Francesco and Michael, for coming on. That was a really interesting conversation, and I think, yeah, the, 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 I think that everyone can do a little bit more, right? And uh, in their own little way. There you go. There's a lovely oh. takeaway. Was a big, big pleasure to be on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. Oh, we will absolutely have you back again, um, Francesco. If people are interested in Essence of War, where, where can they find out more? Where can they get involved? Yup, there is a there is a thread on the forum. There's a section called For Beginners, and in this section, there's the thread called Essence of War spoilers and feedback. And we're just posting new things there all the time, and we're receiving feedback from the community. I think that just today. We published the patrol for the Empire of Sunstall, so that would be the uh, that would be the best place to uh, you know get involved uh, and uh, learn about the game. There is also another thread which is called the Craven Lines. It is an escalation campaign that we are preparing, and uh, it is a collector of stories, of art, of painted miniatures, and soon 
And spoiler number two, there's going to be Tactica articles for people to learn how to, uh, you know, enjoy Essence of War on the battlefield rather than just, you know, on the on the screen by looking at uh, beautiful miniatures. So you can, uh, if anybody's interested in learning about this, there's either the uh, Essence of War thread or the Craven Lance thread, and there's often pointers to each other in each of those. Another subthread in the Essence of War to look out for is the Gamefinder one. If you know anyone who's wanting to try it out, then we're a very friendly bunch, so please, like, just fire them that way, and yeah, we'll get them a game, so. Definitely. And don't worry, Michael is not always there, so, you know, you can also go. Just to reassure the viewers about that. <laughs> And there is the uh, the Discord channel that you set up to organize games, and you're also streaming on and Twitch, right? Yep, there's a there's a Twitch channel and a Discord channel. Both are called uh, Veil of the Ages, and you can use the Discord one to book games, and that, then we play them in uh, in live stream or as offline videos on the uh, on the Twitch channel as well. Yep. And uh, as a little reward for everyone that's uh, listened through to the very end, uh, in a second they'll play a little clip from um, the guys at Proxy Table Gaming and the Paired Weapons Podcast, who are running a competition in promotion of the Masters uh, live coverage. And of course, if you are looking to uh, get involved with any of the Masters coverage, you can um, jump on the form, uh, just type in UK Masters. There's a thread there with all the bits and pieces that you need uh, and of course, find out about all the individual content producers who are contributing towards that on places like Twitter and, of course, the forum. So, here's the competition here. Hi guys, I'm Lucky Sixes. And I'm Maddie P. And today we're here to introduce the Masters 2021 competition, where you can win a whole host of prizes, including painted models from the Gobbo and Kev, lifetime TTS subscription, Gaming book from Heretic Games, Rotten Factory Unpainted Nurgle Champion, Laser Sight Pen, and a free standard size commission from the Gobbo himself. All you have to do to win one of these prizes is answer this simple question. What was the latest army book released by the Ninth Age? Was it A. Orcs and Goblins, B. Dread Elves, or C, Undying Dynasties. And Matty, how do you enter this wonderful competition? Well, Lucky Sixes, I'm uh, glad that you asked. All we're asking people to do to enter this competition, and let's face it, why wouldn't you with a list of prizes like that, is simply to send us an email to the following address, pairedweaponpodcast at gmail.com. That's pairedweaponpodcast, all lowercase and all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to include your contact number, your contact Twitter, your contact forum, and any way other that you'd like us to let you know if you've been a lucky winner or not. And don't forget to keep an eye out for the PTG videos at the end of the Masters where we'll be announcing those lucky winners. Yes, at least seven winners we will have for this competition, so it is well worth you entering. Make sure you check out all our other content on several podcasts, including Paired Weapon Podcast, Slanrat, Thundercocks, and Fantasy Warping Podcast. And of course, the videos right here on PTG. That's it from us. Best of luck, and stay tuned for more content. Best of luck, guys. See you later. 
So all that remains to be done is to once again thank Francesco and Michael for coming on. Thank Paul for putting up with us all. And uh, if you do want to get in contact with the podcast, if you are interested in this more and you want to put me in contact, if you are a company and you want to promote you, sponsorship deals, hashtag money, um, <laughs> absolutely uh, get in contact with us. And you can do so via email at scottishwildlands at gmail.com. You can get us on Facebook, uh, Scottish Wildlands Facebook group. Uh, group sorry. Um, you can get us on Twitter at Scottish Ninth Age. Paul is Space Goblin on the form. I am Lost Cause. Francesco is Pelagio. And Michael is Mick Dick Doc. And um, remember, my OnlyFans is just open, so you can also get me there. And Michael has his OnlyFans, the Mick Dick Trick, uh, which is also the name of his eBay store. Please check it out and fund the addiction. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye. 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 Bye.